It is Sunday evening and the Chair Shop Podcast is coming back at you in your podcast app of choice. Uh, I already exhausted all my boys are back in town bits there a few weeks ago, so this week it's just simply the boys are back with another episode of a podcast. Was the lesser celebrated uh, single, um, you know, but still quite notable for us here. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Barry. How are you doing, everyone? Joined, as always, by my ever-dependable co-host. First of all, it's Mr. Paul Griffin. Kukulala. What's that? Okay. I don't know. Just, I, I did Brap Brap last week, so I had to come up with another. So you decided to make something up this time? Okay. I thought it was a, a bold new direction for the okay. show. Uh, um, I would say maybe stick with stealing other people's noises, like Brap Brap, because uh, Kukulala was not doing it for me. Uh, yeah, because you see, brap brap is like a gun noise. That's cool. That's true. You know, uh, cuckoo lala sounds like um, someone that Donkey Kong would fight. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think like it sounds like a video game character. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, like some sort of evil, I don't know, crocodile or something. I mean, they already have an evil crocodile. I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think my idea is going to carry much weight in Nintendo. So, if they're listening. I was going to say, I was taking your feedback on board, and then even you kind of lost me midway through. Yeah, and then I lost myself, to be quite you, honest. You actually made it sound quite cool. And yeah, we circled back around, so Kukulala is back. <laughs> it's back, Jack. Uh, rounding out the team here, Mr. Joe Towner. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Uh, uh, the the I audio listeners, which is sorry, Guanjo. I haven't got any funny noises. I'm sorry. Okay, you've just got. I was going to say the audio listeners, which is the only ones we have. I can't tell that you're you're, you're rocking a beanie this evening. Are you cold? Oh, it's fucking freezing, isn't it? It's pretty fucking cold, isn't it? It's, I actually started with a beanie as well. Before I came on and Paul had a beanie on. <laughs> we didn't want to look stupid, so he took. <laughs> In front of Barry, so no, oh. yeah. I mean, I just would, I wouldn't stand for it to be honest. Um, it was a one of us has to change, so, well, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's um, freezing in this room. It's it's, uh, it's there's no insulation. It's just a fucking shit. Yeah. Uh, it's cold. Cinder yeah. blocks. Yeah. Our uh, our our heating is busted in the house. It busted before Christmas. It busted again <laughs> over the course of Christmas. Uh, and it's kind of one of those things where we just decided to just like suck it up because the fella was impossible to get the last time we got him out and it's like January so we're just like we're not gonna get him so let's yeah. just grit it which is fine when we're cuddled up in the living room watching a bit of telly with the stove on but then when I come up to ye old cold and office here uh, with only my, my PS2 games and my Funko Pops to keep me warm um, uh, it's pretty rough that's uh, definitely a case where it takes a drag of cigarette Boston does not make you feel good <laughs> 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 yeah, my my um my boiler was just coming all over the place, having a great oh. time, and then I just and then I and then I was like, wait a minute, don't do that! I need you to heat my house. Um, uh, while we're while we're doing sartorial um uh, uh talk here on our on our outfit, I'm wearing I'm wearing the most like I look like a character in GTA Four. I'm wearing like a purple tracksuit, um, a character in GTA Four on laundry day, um. So I'm feeling it's it's a real Sunday Sunday here. I'm feeling quite um quite lazy and quite not ready for the week. Um but you know, great great tone to set for the for the listeners who are who are listening to this on Monday are like, oh god, <laughs> you know, I hate Monday, I hate this bloody commute, but you know what's gonna get me through it? The lads. The lads are gonna be they're gonna come in and they're gonna have a, a barn storming broadcast for us. 
I think we need to come up with some more gimmick shows at the start of the year. Because I feel like the awards show and the prediction show gets through the first two weeks. And then after that, it's like, oh, it's fucking January. What what can we do? I don't know. Some kind of quiz quiz special. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Some sort of like entirely, oh, two hours of quiz. That would be unlistenable, baby. Oh, we could do a mastermind. Like we we all pick a specialist subject. Uh, or some sort of reality show where we just we just record with each other for like a day and we have to just stay in our respective recording rooms <laughs> and not talk to any other people and then we release the best bits that like we edit it down to about two hours that'd be a fucking stretch there wouldn't be two hours i don't think to get out of that <laughs> those are all too much effort all we'd end up doing is wrestler 200 questions oh <laughs> mm. uh, okay. the quiz i've got coming up today which oh my god Yes, uh, Paul, Paul has a, a new quiz. This is it's new, right? This is not something we've heard before. This is brand new. No, okay. Brand so new. Paul has a new quiz that will lift our spirits and warm us up here in this in this cold January. Uh, so look forward to that, as well as all your other usual uh, fun and game and features. I have an email that I will get to uh, later as well. I've 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 got I try to get into the habit of when you see the email, write it down so that you remember to check it for the for the podcast. Yes. So we'll do that. So all that's coming up here. We'll um we'll, we'll kick off here with the um uh, the news of the week and and sadly it it is a it is a somber note to kick the show off uh, uh this week as well. Obviously the the preceding week of of uh, of news and podcasts that our our great listeners will have heard will will no doubt be uh uh, on this uh, tone as well, but on uh, Tuesday uh, night, uh, uh, the news broke of the passing of Jay Briscoe, one half of the legendary Briscoe team, greatest Ring of Honor tag team champions of all time, fair to say. And uh, the tributes came out uh, uh, thick and fast there from across the industry. Obviously, his ROH and AEW peers, as well as various uh, WWE personalities and Japanese wrestling, and, and it's all across the board. A uh, really ho- horrible circumstance, a tragic car accident where his daughters were also injured. Um, absolutely uh, terrible. I mean, really horrible news story. As we were recording this, um, it seemed like the most recent update on, on on his daughters was positive at the very least or going in a positive direction. There was uh, doubts about her, her, her movement going forward, but it seems like she's trending in, in a positive direction as of this recording. So. Obviously, that's good, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a, there's been a lot said in the last week, um, uh, lads. Uh, I, I, I I'm not too sure what we can add to, to the already great uh, list of uh, tributes. Um, but I was really I was really taken aback when you kind of um, take stock of like some of their earliest recorded matches, the the often against each other, and the famous stories of of, of competing under masks when they were too young to get licenses. Thinking about that and then also realizing literally last month they had one of the best tag matches ever um, is in and of itself a, a, a almost impossible to comprehend resume of, of, of wrestling matches. Uh, uh, so what about, uh, uh, let's pass over to yourself, Paul, what are your thoughts and you know uh, memories of, of, of the Briscoes as a team and Jay Briscoe as a person? The first thing that occurred to me Aside from the shock and sadness about the news, but the first you know thought I had on it was I couldn't believe when I saw the news that he was only thirty eight years old. Yeah, I was like, how is that possible when they've been around for thirty years? Right, or it felt like you know, like God. I remember, I guess my first exposure to the Briscoes. I'm guessing Joe might have a similar backstory to me here. Was through the pages of Power Slam magazine, 
um, hearing about, you know, Ring of Honor and hearing about these, these, this wild tag team. You see pictures of them, they're crazed faces. Like, I, my, my first image in my head is of them in a ring in the corner of ring in the, in the, the black kind of tank top style they, they used to wear. Um, Briscoe's to me will always be with the, the longer shorts, the kind of basketball style shorts they wore. Mm. My heyday with Ring of Honor was about 07, 08. So I have a lot of memories of Briscoe's from that time, obviously. Um, well, yeah, and then and then in most most recently, uh, this last run since you know Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor, and I watched all three of the Ring of Honor pay per views, saw the three matches with FTR, and uh, yeah, I think all said and done, that'll probably be my my lingering memory of Jay Briscoe will be from his. Uh, his last match, I guess, his last match. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. They, they, I, I don't believe they wrestled since Final Metal. I, I, I don't believe. I'm not sure. The Dicotter match, which, yeah, went out as champion. I saw your tweet in the week, Barry, as well, about um, retiring the Ring of Honor tag team titles mm. in some fashion. I think I think that's a great call. I think in terms of when you have, in, in other sports, the retiring of jerseys and, and things of that nature, I think I think that makes a lot of sense to to um, at, at least I, I forget who brought up the point, but to at least retire that version of the Ring of Honor tag team titles and bring in a new design or something if they wish to go forward with. It. I thought it was a very good call. Yeah, I, and that and when I was thinking about that, I was like, mm, that might be like a little bit hyperbolic. But then when you when you realize when you really think back on their careers, like it's really not. It's really not like thirteen time champions and that look people win a bajillion championships these days but it's kind of like you know it's, you think back to it they won them in like oh five or whatever they won them multiple times throughout the sinclair era and like we said then they just they 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 uh re-cemented their place atop the mountain in the tony khan era and, and kind of like i don't think anyone ever entertained the idea that they were washed because i don't think there was i don't think there's ever an argument that they were but by being roh lifers i think they're um notoriety ebbed and flowed with that promotion so obviously at various points during the sinclair era in particular it was kind of like okay ring of honor was low in the conversation and then it went back up and then it went back down and because they were chained to ring of honor metaphorically that was the same but it's kind of nice that they that 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 towards the end of 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 of, uh, god i was about to say his career i mean his obviously his you know his life but jay had a little bit of that resurgence under the the, the con banner that was realized. so yeah i'm kind of like the, it, it, there is there is there has i don't think there's ever been a championship more synonymous with an act um than than those tag belts what about yourself joe any what are your, what are your briscoe memories mm, yeah very very sad news i've i was never a, i've never been a kind of regular ring of honor watcher but i had seen you know a fair amount of briscoe stuff because they were just so good they were they, they're up there best tag team of the last two decades undoubtedly um i remember watching i can't remember when exactly when it happened so when i would have watched it but the the jay briscoe samoa joe cage match oh god yeah where jay bled like like still to this day probably the the worst blade or worst or best blade job depending on your point of view (laughs) (laughs) that, that i've ever seen outside of a, a rampage uh, women's tag team match. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was it, like, literally there were fucking clumps of blood. It was clotting as it was coming. Out. It was so disgusting, but it was a kind of epic as well. Um, and I always thought, you know, I always kind of like the Briscoes with this, because they have that thing that we always talk about and we always crave, which is the authenticity. 
they felt 100% that that was them. That was the Briscoes. There's no character. They they are who they are on screen. You just felt that. And I always say it was thought, as good as, you know, Mark Briscoe's a very good wrestler, but I remember seeing, you know, watching their promos and thinking that Jay Briscoe just like had that X factor, just that like main event thing. And of course he did go on to win the, the world title. Uh, a couple of times, uh, but I think he could have been like a mainstream, you know, a, a WWE or an AEW kind of main event level guy if he'd ever wanted to go singles or at least, you know, for a short period and then maybe back to tag teams kind of, you know, between the two. Um, yeah. And then, and then it's so strange that this year they've had this, let's call it a resurgence under the AEW ring of honor banner, but it feels like that because they had those three great matches and they have been along with FTR, the highlight, of those ring of honor shows. And it's just such a shame that they were almost getting the plat, finally kind of getting to a slightly bigger platform, even though they weren't on AEW, they're on a, a ring of honor promoted by a big company. And therefore it's obviously higher profile, biggest pay-per-view buyers they're ever getting and everything like that. Um, and then, and then this happens, but it's, it's desperately sad. And yeah. Th- and like you say, we, we, I knew they started very young, but yeah, 38, 39 to, to, to go. It's just, it's terrible. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's only a few years of difference. But if you asked me like uh, two weeks ago, how old is Jay Briscoe? I would have said like 42 or something. Yeah. And it's like, wait, hey, there's, there's something about not even cracking the, the 40. Like, mm. and again, it's like, it's because you, you, because it, also as wrestling fans, we just, we view everything kind of as wrestling careers. And it's like yeah. the Briscoes have been part of the furniture for basically half of our lives and the entirety of our like fandoms, more or less, they've been there. Um, uh, so it is, it's, it's horribly, horribly, horribly tragic. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, it's funny you mentioned the, the, um, uh, the cage match. Uh, that was, that was the genuinely after the shock set in and, and like a lot of people were like, Oh, I want to, I want to watch some yeah. classic Briscoe. But that was the first match I thought of. I was like, it, cause it was Jay's in the singles and stuff like that. And yeah, but like a, a ridiculous resume as well. He was world champion. He has that Joe match. He's countless other singles matches and, and um, I mean, obviously, like Twitter this week was just a wash with recommendations and classics, and it, and it was like knocking me down. I was like, oh yeah, that was, oh that was, oh that feud. Oh my god, I was like, I was like, and I I just I like I didn't even think about it until someone posted it. Someone posted like a clip of the Kevin C and El Generico street fight with them from like 2007 that preceded the the, the first mm-hmm. ladder war, and I was like, oh my god, that whole feud was like incredible, and it was 50 years ago and they went on to do so much since then um yeah absolutely horrible uh, uh obviously you know um uh, really you know really nice to see the the unified front in in wrestling just across the board the 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 support uh, both sort of in his memory but also the you know the, the the fundraising for his family and stuff like that um and yeah i'm looking forward to seeing the um the roh uh tribute show that they taped obviously it came together extremely last second but i I'm sure. I'm sure they'll they'll do right um, uh, by it. Not only based on the previous stuff Khan has done for tribute shows, but also him being him being the exact type of fan and the exact right age to know the significance of Jay Briscoe as a performer. Do you know, what I mean? he's a couple yeah. of years old. He's a couple of years older than ourselves, and he was a fucking message board tape trade nerd. He would absolutely. He's literally the the perfect age and type of person to put on. A, a Jay Briscoe uh, uh, memorial show. So I, I, I haven't read anything about it other than apparently it was very good. 
Um, you know, I, I don't know if I really want to get bogged down in the in the nitty gritty of, of of the story, but obviously there was the whole Warner Brothers controversy this week, where um, it seemed like the the previously reported upon, I guess it was a ban. I guess that's the word you could use on the Briscoes appearing on on TBS and TNT. I guess it stood, and I, I have to imagine Khan and AEW management asked. I'm I, I'm I'm sure they didn't just assume they couldn't do it. I'm sure they asked and were told, "No, you can't." Other than a graphic, you can't do anything, uh, which is pretty terrible. I mean, I, I you know that's pretty terrible uh, uh, for for a guy who passed. But um, we'll talk about that show whenever they stick it out. Obviously, they said it's, it'll be Honor Club for free and YouTube, so we will definitely see that show. Um, but yeah, that was the that was the news that dominated the week. Um, and and in a little bit of shouting for it, how good was it to see Dana White's slap league get absolutely trounced in the ratings? Yes, if we could segue into into relishing TBS's uh, uh, you know downfall. I mean, it was not really their downfall, but it was a you know a whiff. And the funny thing is, I I didn't even realize that they they had Dynamite as a lead in as well, doing the old uh, Raw Ultimate Fighter thing yeah. of trying to trying to spring shot the the new the new boy on the block off the back of wrestling. And it just did not take at all. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't want to watch a second of it, but like so it was just everywhere on the internet this week, so I couldn't help but see it. And I was just like, oh my god! So the other thing as well is on top of just being like a shitty little tasteless uh, like faux sport. From the clips I watched, it's like edited like a reality show. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah it, it seems to be like ultimate fighter yeah. yeah so they're cutting back to dana and a bunch of other people going, oh can you believe that slap no i can't believe that slap anyway back we go it's like oh god well, i couldn't watch i would not watch one episode of this even as a bit it just looked no. so i thought it was going to be actually just like a sports presentation where they just slap each other but, but what would like, they no. what would they do analyze the slap like you know what i mean cut yeah, away I, to the to the panel to analyze well he's uh slapped him in the face there and seems to have a concussion <laughs> roy keen and Character. That's a disgrace, Gary. A disgrace. <laughs> uh, yeah, so something like two forty nine thousand and a point one zero, which is pretty bad. I mean, again, similar to Rampage. I'm kind of, uh, how cheap did they get it? Is probably the question. I can't imagine Dana White got a gigantic bag out of that. And I was also, I was also wondering during the week. I was like, those are they called slappers fighters what do you what do you call them <laughs> slappers. yeah slappers but they what are they getting paid they must be getting paid muck to do that uh, it's just, it's like, fighting for a sandwich yeah it's like it's 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 dana white and it's a combat sports thing not only lower on the rung than mma but like way lower way lower because if you don't do if you don't do dana white's league you're on mm. russian youtube channels do you know what i mean it's like you get yeah. like so i don't, they I don't think these guys are doing fight camps no no <laughs> how do you prepare for that yeah it's I, gradually like slapping yourself on the face over and building up to know, it maybe build up a callus like yeah, imagine, uh, yeah. <laughs> big uh, callus face also that, unfortunate um, that it's called uh the white power slap league as well it's quite yeah, unfortunate is it i didn't catch that that's good Data wait oh slap. i didn't even think about that <laughs> oh my god so it's tnt you've got this new show called the white power slap league where men just men and women uh just slap each other in the face with no protection sounds yeah. good but hang on jay briscoe did a tweet 10 years ago cancel him yeah Fucking pretty sad pretty yeah. sad but um yeah so that that will not be a recurring review segment on this uh this show rest assured uh yeah 
Um, so yeah, uh, in other wrestling news, I mean, it, this is one of those ones that like, I remember when the, this next story broke, I was like, oh God, this is the next gigantic thing that's going to move earth and, 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 uh, uh, you know, really shake things up in the industry. But it really didn't, which I think kind of tells you everything, which is that the news came out that Vince McMahon settled with Rita Chatterton. Uh, Chatterton was, I believe, the first on record uh, person to accuse Vince of any kind of assault because her story came out in the nineties mm. for something that happened in the eighties, um, uh, and then a lot of the stuff was was near. Um, and I, from reading the story, I think the settlement actually happened in December, but I guess it just came out now. So much of this stuff is coming out uh, like significantly after the fact via leaks to the Wall Street Journal, which adds to this never-ending layer cake of intrigue in, in WWE. It's basically, who could possibly, and it's, it seems... Who's leaking that out? It seems like <laughs> these stories seems to come out along with the whims of, like, particular people's moods. What's up mm. with that? I don't know. I don't I don't get it. But, um, but yeah, that, that story came out. Um, they did comment on it. They said it was to avoid um, a lengthy, costly trial. So you gave her millions of dollars. I don't understand. That doesn't. That does. That seems weird to me that you would do that. <laughs> um, Vince just has a big vault like ducktails that he uses for paying off women. He's slashing. yeah. He's like go in and dig it out of the pit. Yeah. So uh, that that happened, and <laughs> if you were to like rank how much conversation was generated, and how much news, and how much uh, uh, um, you know heat was put on WWE for these things, this was like third or fourth behind like the original leak and Stephanie leaving, and this person coming back in, and Vince returning. This was uh, this was kind of old news within a day. I'm sad to say. Um, uh, because I think I think people have kind of I think I think the thing we've learned over the last two weeks is as as cynical as it is like what are you gonna do he's he's the he's the majority shareholder he holds all the cards he's got enough sycophants in place it's like it doesn't matter you know uh, but I I hope she got some other than the financial aspect I hope there was some modicum of closure in it for her um, uh, you know on a personal level but nobody will know she's not she's not a big um, she's not a big interview giver you know understandably so uh, so you know hopefully you know she got something out of that so yeah that was um that was a barnstorming week of great news uh to to deal with just just cheers all around just just uh misery left right and center in the news this week unfortunately but we're going to pick it up now lads right we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cleanse the palate with some feel-good news let's talk about the footy and how happy the footy made us all today all right lads i'm gonna pass it over to you yeah um so United were playing today and in midweek. Dropped a big old load of points, baby. Okay. Last-minute goals given away. But I think there's still positives to be taken, especially from the game today. Uh, I think Arsenal are a team that we can really look at or that Manchester United can look at and say, well, look, this is this is the result of you know giving a manager time to, to put a squad together, get, get them playing. And get to the top of the league. I think I think Arsenal are truly the model mm. currently for for teams globally who are rebuilding from past glories. I mean Liverpool Liverpool shockingly I don't think achieved as much as they, they realistically could have. Their resurgence came at the same time as as Man City, unfortunately for them. Mm. And you know, you think of this great Liverpool squad of the last what, five, six, seven years, 
one Premier League they only won um, one, one Champions League well Champions League is pretty good to be honest but I'm, 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 I'm talking about specifically within <laughs> oh, the context of I know but I'm, yeah but two big trophies basically in, in that span of and yeah with with the squad success. they had I would still say yeah. only only two exactly yeah that's what I'm, I'm thinking two. Um, Champions League used to win that every season <laughs> yeah, I mean well we we were notoriously kind of under achievers in the Champions League I feel like for as long as Fergie was there two with Fergie wow. over how long was he there nearly 20 yeah, years well, well um, within nine years of each other so. <laughs> <laughs> but um I think Arsenal uh, are, are a team to look for they got a, a decently young squad they got a young manager they're kind of putting it together now I, I I'm still expecting at some point that there'll be a, a slight drop off but I think I mentioned before they're like they're like a Leicester in terms of you're looking at them going well is this the moment where they'll they'll start to drop off? And it just it hasn't happened yet. It's still no, you know, no sign of it happening. Uh, it won't. I don't think it will. No. I well, it's just a question of, you know, the, the thing to remember is that they still have to play Man City twice. So there is a potential six-point six swing there. If they do, then, you know, who's going to stop? Um, but there's still... I, th- I think it's still between City and, and uh, Arsenal, and those two matches are ultimately what's going to really decide it. Because I think City are now, what, six points behind with a game in hand? Mm. No, sorry. Yeah, that's, is, is that right? Six, six, eight, eight behind were they before? I don't remember. I don't have the table in front of me. But my point is, win those two games and you've got a proper title race on. Um, it's, it's five with a game in hand for Arsenal. Five with a game in hand. Well, there you go. Well, two, two wins for City in those games... And they're within a win of each other, mm. regardless of the game of hands. So, you know, like I said, there's 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 interest there. Um, from our own point of view now, I think what we need to be looking to do is just consolidate that that top four finish. Mm. I mean, it looks like it's going to happen based on the fact that you know City, Ar- City, Arsenal, Newcastle, and United are playing pretty well, and every other team below them is not. <laughs> <laughs> so That's, there's like yeah. a, a six point gap back to Tottenham in fifth. Tottenham play Fulham tomorrow. I'm not massively confident that Tottenham are going to get mm. a result in that. They might do, and I'm going to look very silly. But... I, I wasn't too unhappy that Spurs lost to City because I people were talking about United going for the league, and I was no. like, no, let's, let's just get top four, get third it, it, if we can. That's why I'd rather City won that match than and then build for next, yeah. build on for next season, get the money back in. Start paying off the old debts. Yeah, and the thing for us to look at as well from the point of view of consolidating that top four place is we've already played Arsenal twice and we've already played City twice. Mm. So we've sure. we've we've just got playing sail until the end. Yeah. <laughs> One Newcastle game, that's it. Um, and yeah, I mean, otherwise the the other football thing was Haaland um, blowing the doors off again. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Fourth hat trick in 19 games. It's pretty good, to be fair. It's, all right, isn't it? it's pretty good. I, I know the criticisms of of how City play with him, the squad versus the the free flowing football of the last few years. But um, when you look at the numbers, it's it, it's undeniable. You know what? He's on twenty five Premier League goals already in twenty games. No, is it twenty? I thought it was twenty. Or sorry, I think it's twenty five. That'd be a lot. Maybe it's maybe it's not. Maybe it's. <laughs> Look it up there, Joe. Give us a right, live I'm, I'm, a live figure for how many ha- goals have scored. Right. Player player statistics, offensive goal. Oh, no, he's twenty five. Paul, twenty five goals. It sounds it sounds <laughs> in nineteen games. Yeah, Harry Kane on fifteen in twenty, which is pretty good. To be fair, that's that's really good. That's a, yeah. 
So mm-hmm. so he's he's on course to blow away those records. But you know, the 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 thing with City that I would say, as opposed to an Arsenal, this is why I would still like to frankly, I'm hoping Arsenal win the league based on everything I I've already said. I still think City will because I feel like if City lose Haaland to an injury, for example, they're not going to be so badly affected. They can, yeah. Arsenal were they to lose an Odegaard or a Saka, I think you see a little bit more of an impact there. If Arsenal can keep their players um, healthy, then maybe they'll be good. But yeah, it was a little disappointing week in Premier League for United, especially the Palace one, dropping those two points in the last minute. Ooh, baby, what a free kick it was at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I said, still, I think there's there's positives to look for. Hey, I'll take how well we've been doing this season over how last season went any day of the week. When you think back to last season with Ranyuk yeah, and yeah, yeah. how awful we were, yeah, I'll take how we're playing uh, just, all day long. Yeah, Far Cry. Far Cry 5. Okay. Um, oh, my God. I'm just getting a phone call here. It's the president. <laughs> New quiz, you say? Yes, sir. We do. Um, I don't know why he's interested in that. Um, we do have a new quiz. So you want to you want to make sure you're sitting down, listeners. Make sure you have your uh, your butt cheeks clenched together. Is uh, this part of the quiz? Uh, no. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've you know over over the years we've done our take on pointless on the chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, obviously, most famously, Rockbusters. Now it's time for us to ape another quiz show. This week we're doing only connect. Ooh. Hosted by uh, Victoria Cohen nice. Mitchell uh, on nice. TV, obviously. Except I feel like I'm on the back foot with these things because I don't watch this much well, telly. Don't worry, Barry. I'll explain. Oh, to you okay. Uh, except this isn't only Connect. Obviously, this is Oli Anderson L Connect. Oli Connect. Oli Connect. Okay. Um, so the rules would be thus: okay. uh, we have, we have eight categories. Uh, I'll allow you to choose at random which ones you'll do. So what'll happen is we'll flip our little coin. One person will go first, right? Uh, and you'll take turns within that round giving answers. So whoever goes first will have the advantage for that round. We have an e- equal number of rounds, so it'll you know divide equally throughout. Okay. The goal of the quiz is I will give you four entries, let's say, four items. You need to tell me what is the unifying or common right. uh, factor that unites these four? Mm-hmm. So if I was to say, I'll give you a very simple example. If I was to say um, Undertaker, Steve Austin, um, Triple H, uh, The Rock, you might say to me, Royal Rumble winners or WWF champions or Attitude right. Era stars. Now, the, the thing is, what you give me has to match what I have. Okay, what am I thinking? Answer. Okay. Well, no, I've, I've, I've I'm already messed up. The example I've given has been very, uh, obviously, a wide net. What I've chosen are more specific. Yeah. Okay, okay. And I've tried to do it in, in an order where by the fourth one, it's kind of obvious. I've, I've made the fourth one kind of the one that gives it away, in a sense. Right. So the earlier you get, the more points you get as well. If you get it after one, you get four points. Right. And reducing each time. So we'll flip the coin. We have a heads with a little turtle on it. Tails with nothing. Joe, do you want to call it? Tails. Now it's heads, I'm afraid. Oh, hell yeah. Barry, you get the advantage of choosing 
first your your category excellent one and eight um and again you'll you'll be taking turns throughout but the person with the advantage gets to go first so they're guess the advantage each time barry give me a number between one and eight please i'll go four number four okay so number one is kane okay um masked wrestlers it's a very good guess barry it's not the right one okay joe do you want to take a guess as well so you can guess as many times as you want so you get one guess per, per person oh, per, per, per round um okay um people that have entered the royal rumble in multiple gimmicks again it's a very oh, good, very one. It's not good. Correct. wow good stuff number, number two barry andre the giant Oh God! Um, Kane, Andre the Giant, wrestlers build at over seven foot. It's a good guess, isn't that correct, Joe? Okay. Is it European-born WWF champions? A very good, very guess. good. Not God damn! Right Joe's number, out for blood on this one. Number three, Yokozuna. WWF champions build over 300 pounds. Not correct, Joe. Um, oh, God. Kane, Yokozuna, Andre the Giant. Oh, um, held the WWF title for less than a day. I will day. give it to you, Joe. Wow, I'll give it well to you. Done. The answer is first reign as WWE champion. Okay ended after less than one day the fourth answer or the fir- fourth item was going to be ray mysterio oh yeah wow ah, very good yes. very good very good so I, I wouldn't have got that my next guess was going to, was going to be uh, uh wrestlers mis- <laughs> not claiming different ethnicity than what they wrestlers. actually are dark-haired wrestlers <laughs> yeah. uh, joe joe picks up the two points there okay that's that's uh number four is gone joe do you want to pick up one one two three five six seven eight let's go number one Number one, Joe, Jim Ross. Um, Jim Ross. Uh, people who have been uh, VP of Talent Relations. <laughs> it's, it's not correct. Good guess. Barry. Good shout. Uh, people who've been uh, lead announcer for multiple promotions. No. Number two, Joe, Hawk and Animal. Hmm. Um, oh god i don't know if you don't have a guess we'll have to move on uh no i pass no barry um uh <laughs> this is not gonna be able to say it. i'll say it anyway People who've been involved in angles that won most disgusting promotional tactic in the Observer. Oh, that's good, a very good, good one. Very good guess. I like. I like these guesses. Gets you thinking. Now, number three, Joe uh, Bradshaw. Joe, hmm. Bradshaw. Hmm. Jim Ross, Hawk and Animal, Bradshaw. Um, they've all been knocked out by Joey Styles. <laughs> no, Barry, do you have any idea? Um, 
famous hat wearers. No, I don't remember Hawker and Ash. <laughs> Final one, Joe, for one point. Jim Ross, Hawk and Animal, Bradshaw, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, they're all better known by initials. Very good. Wow. 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 me in the dirt. Very here. good. Very good question. That's a good J- question. J-R, L-O-D. L-O-D. JBL. JBL. MJF. That is a very only connect question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did my best. That's right. Okay. Joe, you're up to three points. Barry. Pick a category. Uh, one. That was the one we just. Did. Oh, sorry, two, two. Okay, Edge for you. Uh, Canadian wrestlers. Nope. Joe. Um, came out of retirement wrestlers. Good guess. All right. Asuka. <laughs> Edge um, and Asuka. What? What links them? Swedish? <laughs> Swedish? I don't, I don't think either of them are Swedish. Uh, Wait, where was she from? Was she not Swedish? No, Asuka, not not Oh, I was thinking what? I thought Oksana. <laughs> God, I've been doing this podcast way too long. That's a that's a person from when this show started ten oh, fucking man. years ago. I, th- I think she was. Okay, hang on. Give me another guess because I was okay, thinking of a completely different Swedish. I'll let you go. She's not even Swedish, I don't think. Okay. Um, uh, I, I have no better idea. Um, um, awesome. No, I, I, actually, I actually, I'll stick with Swedish because I have no fucking idea. Any idea, Joe? Um, both, uh, both won the Royal Rumble from the same number. Can't give it to you. Next one. Barry Shinsuke Nakamura. People who won the Royal Rumble but lost the WrestleMania match. That's the correct answer for two points for Barry. The the fourth one is going to be Lex Luger. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who technically didn't lose his match, but but I'll give you it was one Royal Rumble match, but did not win the championship. Did not win the title. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Two points for Murray. All right, he's back in at three two. Joe, you've got three or five through eight. Um, let's go five. Five. Eddie Guerrero. Mm, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, people that have beaten Brock Lesnar for a world title. Good guess. Isn't that Good right? guess. Wow. Barry. Uh, one-time partners of Dave Batista. No. Uh, number two, The Rock. Um, both people who have lost to Triple H in the main event of SmackDown. <laughs> no, I don't remember that though. Uh, Barry, Eddie Guerrero, The Rock. Uh, people who never wrestled Shawn Michaels. No. Um, Mr. Perfect, number three, Joe. Uh, 
Guerrero the Rock, Mr. Perfect. Um, hmm. Mr. Perfect. Uh, they all had kids who were shit in NXT. No, can't give it to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is you. accurate. But... Uh, oh, God, I've got nothing. Uh, Intercontinental champions? No. And Joe, last one. Kerry Von Erich. Kerry Von Erich. Uh, all the, oh, they all... They all had famous wrestlers as fathers. That's the correct answer ah, for one point. Dang. For Joe. Yeah, I, I would have taken anything to do with them being in, in famous wrestling families, yeah. but okay. your, your NXT one is a little a little too wrong for me to give it to you. Um but one point there. Also Kenny Kerry Von Erich does not have a shit child in NXT. Sorry. Well, Nor was he the Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, one point for Joe. Um Barry, we're over to you. Uh, uh, three, six, seven, eight. Seven. Seven, Gillian Hall. <laughs> God, um, singing gimmicks. It's not singing gimmicks, Joe. Could have had that girl off of AEW YouTube. What was her uh, name? <laughs> um, former Divas champions. That's the correct answer. Oh, you're having a laugh. Oh, my yeah. God. Holders of the Divas Championship. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Gillian Hall, Caitlin, Michelle McCool, AJ Lee. Wow. Okay. That yes. now defunct belt. That's a big one. That's a big one. Um, all right, Joe, back to you. Three, six, eight. Um, let's go for number eight. Eight. Fully loaded. Mm. Pay-per-views where Triple H wrestled The Rock. That's uh, that's an accurate statement, but it's not correct. That was in a strap match as well. I thought he was going to get it there. Um, <laughs> can I say uh, defunct pay-per-views? No, you cannot. Dang. Joe, Capital Carnage. Um, is it pay-per-views in July? It's not pay-per-views in July. Oh, wow. Okay. Very uh god i was really confident with my defunct pay-per-views there um no you'll see in a minute why that doesn't work fully loaded capital carnage god i um no idea uh pay-per-views that never saw a title change it's not no. even true for Fully Loaded, I don't think. It's not even true, I don't think. Um, all right, Joe, breakdown in your house. Um, oh, I think... Hmm. I'm trying to remember when Capital Carnage was. That's going to be the, the giveaway. But um, is it... Fully Loaded Capital Carnage in breakdown in your house. I think I might know this. I'm not... It's tough. Is it? Uh, nah, pass. Barry. Pay per views that debuted in 
That is the correct. Oh, I'll, I'll give it to you. It's not entirely. It's pay per views from the year 1998. From 1998. Uh, uh, that's yeah. The, la- the last one is going to be WrestleMania 14. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which specific. Uh, so that's two points for Barry. Okay, we come into the final final pair of rounds here. Uh, number three or number six? Number six. Number six, Roman Reigns. Um, people who've wrestled Triple H at WrestleMania. Nope. Joe Roman Reigns. Uh. Um, people that have lost in the main event of WrestleMania. No, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> brother. Um, Roman Reigns, Hulk Hogan. I'll go tangential from my last pick. People who've beaten Triple H for a world title. It's not. It's a good one. Joe. Uh, wrestlers from Florida. No, good guess. It's not right. <laughs> hey, Barry. Pat Patterson. No, oh, no, he did beat Triple H for the world title. <laughs> um, Patterson reigns Hogan. Oh God! Um, absolutely no idea. Um, <laughs> absolutely no fucking idea. Tournament winners. I have no idea. Joe, do you know? Um, homosexuals. Well, I. <laughs> I'll say no because uh, it's, it's not true. How do you know? Um, I know in one of those cases that it is true, but in the other two, I I cannot even say allegedly. Uh, it's not right anyway. Uh, and into the last the last uh, go here, Barry Swerve Strickland. Swerve Strickland. Uh, I have no idea. Um. They're screaming it at home, I'm sure. Maybe. Um, maybe. Uh, people with music careers. <laughs> no, no I, don't, I don't know. Joe? Joe? So Hogan, Reigns, Swerve Strickland, and Pat Patterson. Yeah. Uh, mm. They were all... They all were in... The NFL. No. I'll tell you what. I'll give you one last chance at a bonus point here. I'll read you the list out. If mm. you know it, you can shout it out for a bonus point, right? Roman Reigns, Hulk Hogan. Oh, they've all got double initialed names. Joe's got it. They've got what? Wrestlers whose first name and last name start with the same letter. Ah. That was, uh, Joe. That was another only connect one. Yeah, Roman, yeah. Roman Reigns, Hulk Hogan, Pat Patterson, Swerve Strickland. Swerve Strickland. Yeah. All right. And Joe, last one is for you. Nick 
Aldous. Um, British world champions. It isn't. Joe or Barry? Um, NWA champions. No. Tessa Blanchard. Uh, TNA world champions? It's not. Good guess, though. Oh, that's a very good guess. That is a very good, good guess. guess. Um, people who can't get a book in for love nor money. Uh. <laughs> people that have been blackboard from WWE. Yeah. Uh, I fucking hell, I have no idea. Um, people who were at all in. Like, can you give me a little bit more? People who were seconds at all in. I can't give it to you. Oh. <laughs> Next one, Joe. Kota Ibushi. Uh, people that lost it all in? Nope. Barry, back to you. <laughs> I um, people at All In who've never wrestled in AEW. That's the correct ah. answer. Very good. Very good. Last last one would be, would have been Flip Gordon. Um, so end of the quiz. Barry, one, two, three, four, five, six points. Yeah. Joe, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So I actually was close. Nine. That's closer than I thought it was actually. <laughs> nine to six. And Joe, you're the first winner of Oli Kanek. Thank you. Fair play. That was a great performance by Joe. He 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 stormed it. I mean, I I can't. That was a great quiz as well. I think the president was right to get involved. (laughs) Um, I think he made a great call there, uh, and that was very good. I enjoyed that. Um, So uh, we will uh, uh, we'll 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 bring that back again. uh, I'm sure. Um, Maybe. uh, So from there, we'll segue into our emails for the week. We actually have some. Oh, Um, I'll go first here. I've got an email from Michelle. She says, "Here you get." This guy, get out of get, get your mind out of that loss, Barry, and start reading this properly. Okay, <laughs> hearing you get a bit fed up about the AEW game delays, maybe wonder if you'd rather have the game come out now, even if it wasn't one hundred percent. A video game podcast I listened to talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and they were saying they'd rather have a game delayed and not even have a release date, but have it be right with no flaws than have it be rushed to meet an agreed release date and push the developers to work overtime. I don't know. Sounds like you're a little anti-worker. <laughs> 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 outrageous outrageous stuff there from michelle totally understand and lots of fans are hyped for it but i think maybe the best for it to go uh, right from the start instead of having another cyberpunk situation thoughts well michelle you're right on the money i mean i uh, not about me being anti-worker um but you are right on the money about you know we don't want another cyberpunk and no absolutely it's just frustration because i'd really love this thing to be out be out but i would what would i rather have it be out or it be good i would rather have it be good so i and and i think as well i think with all these delays and 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 its status in the ether for so long I think the most important thing is that when it eventually does come out, that it hits hard. I think that is that is they they can't after all this time come out and it's it's on fire. And I think it's I, I think it is probably one of the benefits of the fact that it seems to be a, a lot of Tony Khan bankrolling going on there is that they are you know they seem to be giving enough rope for this game to just get right, you know, get right and then come out. So yeah, no, you're right. I, 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 it's, you know, it's a, it's an old game adage. It's better to come out 
you know, a, a broken game is broken forever or whatever the, the quote is that, that always gets passed around whenever delays happen. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm anxious for this to come out, but I, I hope they take as long as it needs. Yeah, I, I will have one counterpoint, though. Go on. You also Just, hate workers. I love I love a worker, brother. Um, is that wrestling games already have a reputation for being somewhat outdated when they release in terms of their roster gimmicks mm. and so on. And the longer this takes, I feel like the worse it'll be in that regard. Like when this game was in the early stages of being announced, you said I had Cody Rhodes on the, the little YouTube gimmicks talking yeah. about it. And he's a year out of the company already. And he's presumably still going to be in the game unless they remove him at a very late stage. So like, what's the roster of the game going to look like to a fan who watches AW? in 2023 you know it, it could get to the stage where a lot of your favorites aren't in the game a lot of the people who are in the game are not necessarily even in AEW anymore and i know to us that might not really matter but that's something that wrestling games already get a lot of criticism about and on top of that if the game isn't really good then kind of what what's it got going for it at the end of the day you know mm. it, it, if it's not the game that people hope it's going to be and the roster is outdated i feel like there's a, a big risk of it arriving kind of doa hopefully not and hopefully the workers are all right but that's also something to consider mm. the whole the whole video game thing to me this is just completely broken like there was the example the suicide squad thing that was that this week that's yeah. Kind, oh, of, yeah. kind of subscription or whatever you call it they're paid to play just just make a game that works and has all the stuff in it put it out people play it Mm. yeah and i was thinking about that in terms of movies again today as i was watching um that 90s show where it's like the the model of movies and tv shows and games today is not is is moved so far away from you make a movie or you make mm, a game yeah. and put out people enjoy it there always has to be either a hook of nostalgia which is really overtaken tv and movies now nothing can just be a product that gets, gets put out you know mm. or, or an original product at least um you know the shows that i'm watching currently and this is only obviously a, a moment in time, but the, the, the shows I'm watching at the moment are uh, a revival of a uh, sitcom from 20 years ago, a Star Wars property, <laughs> and um, I forget what the other one is. but A video was, game adaptation? And, and a video game adaptation. Sorry, Last of Us, of course. Um, and, and the stuff that you hear about that's original, you only, you only hear about it because Netflix are canceling it. Well, this is yeah. That's like the ba- the best advertising thing in the world. Is oh my god, they're canceling Tin Man and the Scarecrow after one season. It's a great animated series about what it's like to be depressed and a scarecrow. And I'm like, what are you people talking about? What is happening? Um, you know, yeah. It's funny. I was watching the Half in the Bag 2022 catch up videos, which are like my favorite videos they do every year because they talk about interesting things instead of the usual oh, shite they talk yeah. about uh and they they um like they were talking about uh, that uh amazon show kevin can go fuck himself yeah and i was like that looks really great i will watch that i went and added it to my list right then and there and it was like i would never have known that thing even existed because the conversation and the marketing dollars are all wrapped up in comic book tie-ins and reboots and sequels and blah 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 blah. and there's so little effort put into pushing original cool things um that's that's the point about uh, that i was kind of roundaboutly making about um suicide squad is 
Yeah, they could just make another Batman Arkham City type single player open world adventure or whatever. But uh, there's no microtransactions in that, brother. Um, they need to get your dollar dollar bills off you. That doesn't work for me, bro. <laughs> yeah, and like to, 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 it's it's just to be really hoity toity about it. It's just the same as the way massive corporations don't just measure their success in how much money they make. It's growth. It's yeah. growth. How much is it growing? And it's like, okay, let's just to put a number on it. Let's say the Arkham series across three games made. 500 million dollars it probably made more than that right sales across three games on multiple platforms and but a man in a suit says okay this suicide squad game could make another could stick another 250 on that you know nice little number but but destiny makes that number a year because it's destiny and people buy the cosmetics and they buy the dlc and blah 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 blah. um yeah we don't really talk about gaming news very much in game golf but yeah i i'm I'm about 700% less interested in that game um, since that stuff came out about it. And you, you have um, the Ubisoft news as well, which kind of links... Where to- where they are allegedly making games, but we're never going to see them because they're all fucking on ice or fire, depending on which one it is. <laughs> and and that's one problem, though. And that kind of also ties in a little bit to the AW situation, the AW game, which which, which was the point of this conversation. This, yeah, yeah. Um, is that games are very expensive to produce these days. And it almost feels like a lot of the time financial security is is priority over artistic or creative decisions you know mm. um because you have even take assassin's creed or whatever you have um ubisoft's pumping money into one of these games and it has to look state-of-the-art it has to play super well performance wise has to be perfect and it might still not hit and make money and if it doesn't they are fucked and that's the problem with with triple a video games today and that's why you know barry and myself enjoy so much services like game pass where you can pick up a artful escape or something or hades or something and and get as good a video game experience without it necessarily having to be this 100 million dollar game you know mm. um yeah and then i mean without getting into a whole other conversation about how a lot of the triple a games now are kind of converging into this one game type it's almost like they've prefer- perfected what is a triple a game and they all are just god of war now um and pe- a lot of people are getting sick of that model anyway so yeah. maybe video games is, is in need of a, a, a revamp movies definitely are the only one uh, the only medium in which ha- which hasn't been kind of spiked by this atrocious trend is books and god love them you never see a book get remade they're never like lads. <laughs> we're doing Harry Potter again. <laughs> well, <laughs> give it time. <laughs> we're doing the Bible too. Oh, finally! <laughs> that was the New, New Testament. Testament. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Michelle, for that email. Yeah, she sparked quite a conversation there. Um, I also have an email from Michelle. Um, subject: Physical media. Hi, Joe. Barry and Paul have been fans of physical media. And now, with streamers deleting shows and movies without notice, are you going to start buying physical media again? Um, I don't know if this is a hint from Michelle. I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this because I <laughs> I bought the complete box set of uh, Goodnight Sweetheart over the, the weekend? Oh, I think excellent. it might be. All six series. Because it's, it's not on any streaming service. It's one of those that pops up randomly. Yeah, um, and also I need to see I need to see Nicholas Lindhurst go back in time and seduce a 1940s housewife. 
Um, so yes, I did buy it because it was the only place you can get it. I'm very, I like physical media. Um, it is the storage. Like we don't have lots of storage space, and it it is also having to get up and change the disc. Obviously, that's a bit annoying. Uh, rather than oh, just I let love getting up to change the disc. Oh, just let the stream <laughs> I love forever. Um, so no, I do like it. It's 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 not as convenient as streaming, but I do like the idea of owning it and it staying the same forever. I don't like this idea of changing or going back and editing stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I want them to keep it the same. I think what my ideal would be, which we never really got to because streaming came along, I want to own digital copies of the films. I want to have like a hard drive mm. that it just has like all these films on and I just buy the film and it's on there and there's no D DHCMA, there's no fucking digital security lock on it. I just want to, or, or the alternative would be that I always thought would be a good idea is to have like a USB stick or a, a flash drive that has a movie or a TV series on it and you just plug it into your TV and you watch what's on there. Mm. And so then it's very easy to store, but you've actually owned the physical copy. Like we never, I, I thought that was going to happen after Blu-rays, but then we got to streaming. So I never actually did. Um, but that would be my ideal. Just give me like a yeah. a flash drive with the entire run of Fraser on it. Yeah. Fun. I mean, we, you can have that. You can have that. Yeah. I, I um, yeah. like uh, my girlfriend, uh, she, I can't remember. I, I don't know how long she's had, but she has this little hard drive. It's like, I think it's about 500 gigs. And she's like, it has, it has millions of movies on it and TV shows. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and like, I hooked it up to our, our TV. Our TV has a USB slot and nothing was working. And I put it, I checked at my computer and it's so old that they're all AVI files, oh, which can't be played on most modern devices. Like you can stick yeah, it on yeah. VLC and it'll work. Uh, so I, I said, I'll let me take care of this and I'll, I'll, I'll reacquire you some new, uh, some new things to put on it. So that, that is totally viable, especially because most smart TVs have a USB thing. But the mm -hmm. flip side of that is that the file sizes of modern stuff, if you want it to look anyway, good are absolutely fucking gigantic. Um, so I, I took off hundreds of films and, and box sets and I've put a couple of dozen back on um, because it's, it takes up so much room uh, before we jump into to reviewing the show I, I i did i did sail the internet high seas to get last of us online i'm not watching it on no fucking 720p now tv get fucked get absolutely fucked <laughs> and so i i grabbed a 4k version on it 4k i didn't see this is how out of touch i am with with, with the kids these like you can like get an illegal version and it has hdr like baked into the file oh it looked so good it looked great 10 fucking gigs for one episode i was like Jeez. oh my god yeah and i was like is it worth it I was like, yeah it is but fucking hell the hard drive is nearly full already you know um so yeah we we i i, I think that there is a lot to be said for the usb stick or or drive full of shows um um yeah but um yeah, physical yeah, media. So I love thanks, it. Thanks for that, Michelle. Yeah, I love I love a bit of physical media. I love it. But you do. Is Ooh, um is the DVD like the longest running piece of video uh, uh, distribution? Yes, I would say yes at this stage. I mean, because it's funny, like it came out in nineteen ninety what seven or eight. I would say 98, 99-ish. And obviously it wasn't very widespread, but 98, 99. Uh, it wasn't widespread till maybe 2001. And now like modern, like you get, you know, obviously it comes out in 4K Blu-ray and all stuff, but you can get the Batman on a DVD. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's crazy. It is still the thing that most households have. Yeah, it might be second to the cinema, but apart from that. <laughs> True. Okay, home format. Yeah. 
you know, I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's beaten VHS at this stage. Oh yeah, VHS was like what? I don't know. Eighties to... vinyl's still going. So vinyl, technically yeah. vinyls. Well, vinyl, yeah, yeah. I was, I, you know, and and again, and see, and I guess if you want to go to audio, CD is also still around today and from the eighties. Just about, yeah. Um. Anyway, flip, flip books. Let's do it. A pen and pad. Uh, anyway, <laughs> any other emails? Yeah, I, I have one where I've been absolutely nailed with a good point here. It's uh, also from Michelle. Subject, Paul's not nitpick of the week. Hi, Paul. When we were watching Adam Cole's big return speech the other week, I said to Joe, I bet Paul is loving this because Adam Cole is addressing the crowd and not just addressing the hard cam. I was so surprised to not hear you mention it. I'm pretty sure you had said in the past that you hate when wrestlers start doing their lines and only face the hard cam. Or forget to address the rest of the eyes, but maybe I was wrong. No, you were you were absolutely on the ball, Michelle. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes I have a thought when I'm watching a wrestling show, and I just forget to bring it up by the time we we talk. But um, absolutely, I appreciate that Adam Cole was was in the moment and and talking to the people as well as the people at home. Uh, I do have a nitpick though, since you bring it up about that segment. Oh God, Uh-oh. which is one that I've mentioned before. This is this is Paul's not quite new nitpick. Of last week. <laughs> it's a new segment. The nitpick is that when Adam Cole is is so in the moment and he's talking and he's not quite have it nailed down in his head what the next sentence he's going to say is, he does always do a, 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 a before he says his sentence. A, a, and what else is this? Let me tell you. A, 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 and he, he, he does it like nearly every sentence he said. That, that's, that's truly a nitpick. That's not a criticism. That's a nitpick. Um, that segment was extremely good. I really appreciated that he uh, he talked to the people. Michelle goes on. I think Adam Cole only looked at the camera once at the end. The rest of the time, he was facing addressing all areas of the crowd. And I think it added to the gravitas thoughts. Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. I would agree with that. Um, Michelle really holding us all to account this week. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's I think it's to strike a balance, though. I think um, you don't want it to feel you want it to feel organic at the end of the day. You don't want it to feel um, too much like a TV show. So when he's addressing only the camera, and, and I, I do like in a promo when there's a, a bit of a fourth wall, not break necessarily, but when you know someone will be um, talking to the crowd, but will look then directly into the camera and like address the camera and either be like you people at home or wrestler who's watching this, you better watch out, I'm gonna come and come for you or whatever. Love all that stuff. I, I like you know a, a wrestler has certain tools at his uh, use. The crowd, the camera, mm. and yeah, I like when there's a little bit of very uh, a variety to um, to the way that people perform. Because so many wrestlers who don't stand out for that reason is is that they all kind of act and speak and look the same. So yeah, I like when someone does something a little bit different like that. Talk to the crowd, talk to the people. Um, just you know, don't, maybe don't stammer as you're about to deliver your killer line. <sighs> <laughs> I think we need to discontinue Paul's nitpick of the what week. What an asshole I as am. a feature. <laughs> more, more, what, what was that quiz show we did, X Family Fortunes, that thing we did earlier? What was that? <laughs> Only Connect. Only Connect. Only Connect. Yes, excuse me. We love it. Oh, dear. Um, that's our emails for the week, everyone. 
Yeah. Uh, thank you to Michelle. Uh, if anyone else would like to pop us a mail to uh, uh, you know give your thoughts on the news or your, the various guffs or wrestling, we've also had people in the past send us a quiz. By the way, so if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, I'd love to those quizzes those lads do, they are the best part of the show. First of all, you'd be the first person to ever say that about this show in its its uh, eleven year history. What eleven? Thirteen year history? Jesus Christ! Um, but you can send us a quiz. You can also just send us a miscellaneous like whatever via the email. So uh, yeah, do that chairshoppodcast.com to do that we'll jump in here to the actual wrestling the wrestling this week uh which was pretty good i thought um uh, uh you know another strong week for for AEW, pretty much across the board a couple of whiffs here or there uh we opened with the um uh the latest in the impact world order um uh we had with uh, uh jay lethal versus um who is he wrestling? Dom, I've already from. Oh, uh, yeah. Orange Cassidy. Oh no, sorry, Orange Cassidy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, all Atlantic. Uh, it was someone shot. that he beat when he first came in that really annoyed. Yes, me. yeah. Me. I actually really like that they called back to that to say, yeah. hey, you know, there's a little bit of scorch settle here. Um, and this was this was a match. I, I I didn't hate it. I saw some criticism that this was extremely WWE, and it kind of was. It was like um, they had a rule where if the Impact World Order got involved, that Sanjay would be fired or something. So Jarrett and Satnam come down and they're in the crowd and they've got tickets. And Danhausen comes over in an arena security shirt, which is good. He goes, Oh, yes, hello, let me see the tickets. Oh, <laughs> um, and he goes, oh, No, it's, it's fine. The ticket is good. Yes, okay. And so he goes away. Um, and so they had all that. And then Lethal's on the floor and Jarrett sneaks him the guitar and Sanjay doesn't want him to use the guitar. It was a little all over the place, but I, you know, the crowd liked it, so I, I kind of gave it a bit of a pass. It was all right. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think they to nitpick it. I don't think they made it clear enough what was the uh, the actual stipulation because even after the match, Sanjay was trying to prevent them from getting involved. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't think they explained it clearly enough. If it was just. No physical altercation between the folks who are not in the match. That would have been fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Cassidy retained, you know, solid stuff. Surprisingly, I thought there was going to be more to the story about getting the Golden Globe back. There was, like, none of that. Uh, yeah, I, I, like, I wonder, are they Because, like, I have to imagine he's coming back scheduled depending and they will do an angle to get it. They can't. They're hardly going to leave it in the air where they just have it. Satnam Singh is just walking around with a, with a golden globe. He uses it as a toothpick. Maybe it'll just never be mentioned again. That would be lame. That would be incredibly lame if that's what they if if that's it. Um, maybe, maybe that's it. Uh, maybe they'll they'll show up on his show. The the, the guy Blackbird. Oh yeah, yeah. They'll show up on that as a guest star. He's got back in a uh, breaking the fourth wall um, storyline. Yeah, why not? My prediction of twenty twenty three. Uh, elsewhere on the show, we had a hangman promo with Renee. Uh, uh, this is pretty good stuff, you know, following up on the the, the thing of you know putting Moxley on on his ass and all this other stuff. And um, he rounded it off by saying he had some unfinished business with some people. 
mm. which was interpreted a multitude of ways. I, I'm very sad to say that I think it probably just means we're getting more elite, melodrama, fucking... E- the, e- either option is bad. It's either that or Dark Order. Oh, are we pals? <laughs> I don't have any time for any... Elite or Dark Order, I have no time for any of that. I have no time for any of that. I don't so, know who else it would be. Well, I mean, people were hoping it would be CM Punk. Um, uh, <laughs> like I just don't buy into that at all. So, um, you know, so that was that. I thought it was good out of Hangman. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, mm. And I, I, I thought especially good in the segment was Renee. Yes. Yeah. Look, she's been a she's been a star signing. I think uh, they've come a long way from fucking Marbez backstage. You know. Oh, she's she's like the only uh, interviewer in the last. 25 years of wrestling who doesn't come off as uh hello i'm backstage with my pre-prepared lines speaking to wrestler wrestler you just had your match how do you feel yeah like, it felt like a real conversation you know she was doing some real investigative journalism there yeah. speaking to hangman it was great very impressed yeah uh so that was that um what are the other highlights in the show we got the latest uh danielson match with bandito um, they just they bust Bandito out like once every three months, and he has a fantastic match, and then they put him back away again. Um, you know, I imagine he'll be a fixture of ROH once it's up and running properly. But uh, this match was fabulous. Twice, very good, very very good. Yeah, not too much to say about. Not much more to say about it. It was, it was really good. Yeah, uh, it was it was great stuff. Uh, you know, they Bandito got Bandito did his usual thing of getting all his wild spots in that the people went crazy for. But I think I think it also had that Danielson kind of uh, uh, sheen on it. You know, a bit of realism, bit of a fight, bit of a struggle, which I really appreciated. And then uh, after all the mess in last week, it's like MGF's getting more serious now because he's like scared that like Brian's gonna Brian's gonna get him. He's gonna get to him. So. Um, so he did a more serious promo, and then he basically like uh, uh, Cage is the next opponent for Danielson, and MJF slapped him and said he'd pay him to to break Danielson's arm. So we'll see. Go on. I I liked the uh, the backstage with MJF and yeah. uh, Cage. Um, I like you know MJF lately. Um, I think reminded us a little bit of what his strengths really are, which are not being, uh, I'm not saying he's, he's necessarily terrible at it, but I feel like lately he's not as strong when he's playing the smarmy, you know, dickhead, but when he's, he's a little bit more intense, a little bit more plotting, a little bit more of a, I guess a classic heel, not to liken him again. I think the stronger stuff he's done has been where he's been kind of Ric Flair reminiscent. Uh, and I thought this was this was good. He wasn't like the, the other week where we talked about the um, the Takeshita standing on the outside while he rambled on for ten minutes goofily. That I think mm. that's that's his his weaker stuff. Um, not not that comparative to other people that he's he's bad, but I like when I like when MJF has a little bit more um, anger in him as a character. I think that's when we get the best stuff out of him. The CM Punk stuff. The uh, um, the stuff prior to this Danielson feud. I think that's his best stuff. Um, elsewhere on the show here, I mean, we don't really need to talk about talking the acclaimed and the ass boys and daddy ass. Whoa, 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 don't we? This wasn't this the uh, 
No, this wasn't the bomb in cement one. We did that. Last no, week. the bomb in cement was great. We uh, we, we, we wanted to mention we, that again because we gave that its due. With Daddy Ass wants him to go to therapy next oh, week. Oh yeah, that, you come know. on, baby. They've 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 hit more than they've missed lately. But I feel like this one's a real dice roll on whether or not this will be terrible. Um, get Doctor Shelby in. You know, I have, a, I have a nitpick of this segment as well. They played uh, they played the music too early after he gave the the go home line. He said, "I got two words for you," and then it went, burr, 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 <laughs> and then he said, "Family therapy," but it was like drowned out by the music. <laughs> yeah, that was not great. Um, Valid yeah. nitpick of the week. That was all right. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, elsewhere on the show, we got uh, Willow versus Tony Storm. Uh, I have to say, I think there's a potential total package of the year award winner in young Willow Nightingale. I will say I'm very bullish on, on Willow. I think she's great. Uh, I think she's good bell to bell. I think she looks great. She's one of the more legitimately likable baby faces in wrestling. Um, And I thought anyone else in this spot probably wouldn't have hit as hard, but I was legitimately shocked when the, when the damn Jezebels have turned their back. Oh, we should have got JR in just for this one match. So he could get all the names wrong, but then say Jezebels during the heel turn. Um, uh, Tony and uh, Soraya turned heel. Soraya makes sense. Tony, mm, we'll see. I think she was doing pretty well as a baby face. Um, but uh, I think it's probably, it's probably, I think the division's due a freshen up. So I'm kind of thinking, yeah. maybe, you know, let's, yeah. It felt, it felt a bit abrupt this this whole storyline, but I'm it's going in the right direction, so I don't mind too much. Yeah, I guess. they feel a bit lopsided to the heel side, though. Mm. Uh, yeah, until you get Britt Baker involved, maybe sure. She'll turn, turn face. Up. Yeah. Is she, speaking <laughs> of speaking a year of year and a half late. <laughs> speaking of uh, yeah, um, needing a refresh, and then maybe Jamie Hayter's kind of in the middle. I would. I tell you, I would be against that at all. I wouldn't be against that at all. Because Hater Page would be would be very, very good, I think. Agree. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think the division's in need of a freshen up, and I think I think, yeah, turn let's turn someone babyface as well to kind of counteract this. I think um uh yeah, like the Soraya stuff, I mean, it was they were heading for a train wreck with that. She has just not been doing well at all. Um, and even if, even like, I'm not saying this is going to necessarily make her a musty television presence, but at least if it's part of the show that you're supposed to not like her, you can always roll with that a little bit. Uh, so we'll see. They're doing a three way next week for some reason. Like, why? Tony Storm, Ruby, and Brit. I don't understand why Brit's in there. Um, I'm not crazy f- about emphasizing that people were in WWE as well. As no, as I'm totally with you. Totally with you on that. Like babyface or heel, I'm I'm not really into it. So yeah, um, uh, we'll see we'll see what the follow up is next week on that one, and then the main event, the latest in this, uh, they're really going out of the way to make this a proper proper TNT title run for for Darby Allen as he got Kushida this week, uh, and they had a tremendous match. I thought, yeah. I mean, really really excellent. Um, absolutely crazy spot where Kushida caught him on the floor with the arm bar when Darby jumped out of the ring for the drop kick. I thought that was bananas. Um, yeah, yeah. Didn't he do that with someone before? Was it? Did I see Kyle O'Reilly do a similar spot? Probably. Yeah, probably. Very, very good though. Very good match. Although I will say, the the Tony Khan and his love of main eventing with a title match, even the matches that are very good does feel like the show just kind of comes to a close instead of going off the air with a hot, you got to tune in next week. By God, we're out of time. We'll see you next week. You know, 
Um, like the very first dynamite with the um, inner circle. Inner circle, yeah. yeah. Do you know? Like, I, I, I think I don't know. On this show, that was necessarily something obvious that I would have finished with instead. But, um, but this, yeah, there, there can always be something. That's the whole thing, isn't it? Finding it's not a storyline show, is it? And we we talk about this before with like MJF not being at the the center of things and the and the champion often not being at the center of things. Like it's not mm. Austin McMahon where you know Vince comes out in the opening segment. He's like, "God damn it, Austin, you got my belt. I want it back, you son of a bitch." And then Austin pulls up in his truck, and then he's like, "You're gonna face Kane." And then and then that's the whole story throughout the show. And then the main event is like Austin versus Kane or whatever, and yeah. people lose their fucking minds, and it's great. Like they, they don't do that. Or, or since the days of Jericho as champion, or maybe obviously like Punk and, and Mox as champion, they did that. But yeah, it's always a show that feels very much like you don't even know what the main event is half the time. Like you're kind of waiting to find that out. And it's that is a bit of a problem with it. You do f- often by the time you get to the main event, I feel like it's a bit of an afterthought. And I'm kind of like, oh, there's a main event to come. Oh, okay. a TNT title match. Right. Like I was watching Rampage and I was like, I thought the show was over. And then it was, oh no, they still had the action Andretti versus Daniel Garcia match. And I was like, you know, the fact that I forgot that that was coming or was the main event is not a great sign. Yeah. And I, I will liken that to an analogy I made before a long time ago, which was the going to the, um, watch the UFC shows or even staying up late to watch the UFC shows. It was like, You'd be watching them and you'd be watching the prelim fights knowing, oh, but the the, the main event, the John Jones is coming, Anson Silva's coming, Conor McGregor's coming. I think there's something to be said about there being half an hour of TV time left and you've already seen all the big stars. Yeah. Just purely from a promoting point of view. Uh, I get wanting to have the prestige of your main event with your um, title match, but I think there's a difference between, you know, main eventing WrestleMania with the world title and dynamite a random dynamite in january having to have a title match in the main event anyway i haven't seen rampage by the way so i can't comment on that uh you don't have to see it it was not it was kind of it was a rampage of old a little bit it was it was a nothing this was a nothing um uh it opened with um what the fuck did it open with holy shit (laughs) Uh, I have no idea. I watched it a it couple of hours ago. Jack, Jungle Boy versus Ethan Jungle Page. Jack against Ethan Page. Yeah. Uh, more Ethan Page, Matt Hardy stuff. Uh, you know, uh, they're doing another Jungle Hook match this coming Wednesday. Fair enough. Um, Willie Mack and Brian Cage was fun. It wasn't going out of your way to see, but it was fun. That was quite um, good. I like that. Um, I like that. I thought it was going to be like a Brian Cage one minute squash match like they often do. To build someone up, but I'm glad they had a proper match. So I actually thought it was yeah. Good. Apparently they had a fun. This is like a, they did like a they ran this back. This was on one of the YouTube shows and it got really over. So they they brought mm. oh, Willie Mac would be a good owl get for them. I think you know in in this kind of role. Uh, of course, Rick Knox was calling this match, and so Excalibur was like, of course, getting getting flashbacks here to the American Legion uh, post with Rick uh, Rick Knox officiating. Uh, 2012 when these two first met. And Chris Jericho said something about ECW. And JR said something about, oh, those were the good old days. And then Excalibur went, uh, PWG. And and then Jericho had to start talking about how he showed up in PWG lately. And I was like, what a great commentary team this is. Love it. It's all great. Shut the fuck up for two seconds, Chris Jericho challenge. And JR. 
<laughs> Speaking of which, the uh, the next match was uh, Jay Cargill and Layla Gray versus uh, two, two, two women, Jada and Jordan Vanity. <laughs> and at the start of the match, JR goes, <laughs> I don't know much about these two women. And that was it. He didn't say anything else. I thought he was going to like put them over, pick them up or something. God, <laughs> it. no. It was like in the, the Simpsons. You know, I'm not much for a public speaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So funny. I love that. Laugh. Oh God, yeah, that match wasn't much. Yeah, that was the that was the most unceremonial forty ninth win for Jade. Um, coming up to fifty. Um, yeah, that match wasn't much. And then the main event, the main event was pretty good, but the crowd did not did not treat it like a main event. And for, and why would they? As uh, Action and Dreddy beating Daniel Garcia, it was pretty. It was good. They had a, they had a good match, but Action and Dreddy's finish is that standing shooting star, and it's like we we complained about that before. That's not a finishing move. Bro. Come on, you know, he come on. I haven't seen obviously Rampage, but of what I've seen of him doing it, he he doesn't like hit it with much impact but I, i've never seen anyone really hit it like i remember john morrison's in particular always looked terrible because it's just it's the just way like that floaty... move, yeah the way that moves work you're kind of just gently placing yourself on the person now he he, he hits it better than him he gets he gets a little bit of height on it but it's like come on that's not a, that's not a finisher um anyway yeah so that was rampage it was it was skippable this week hopefully oh there was also a segment with uh ortiz and eddie kingston and uh, Ortiz screamed at him because he almost hit Julia Hart last week and he's like is that how your mother raised you and then Eddie Kingston beat him up with a chair um, I, I, I'm I, hating this story it's so not what I want out of Eddie Kingston to be, to be messing around with the faux fiends you know what I mean um, so yeah uh, that was Rampage. Um, we'll move on there to the movies who saw a movie this week not me. I got two no movies. movies at a poll. Okay, what about you, Joe? I got two movies. I saw Go on. a Netflix movie called The Bank of Dave, which is uh, okay. based on a true story about a guy called Dave Fishwick, who's uh, a kind of northerner from Burnley, who's a, a bit of a businessman, and he decided one day to start his own bank. And then he, he came up against all the, the financial regulators and the bank, and they didn't want him to open a bank because he's working class and northern, and he's wants to help people um you know he wanted to lend money to small businesses and they were like no because that's for the rich you little blah. and um they decided to make a movie out of this um which was not completely unentertaining um but i have to say it might be the first movie ever with a screenplay written by ai because uh, it just re- <laughs> it just it's so nuts and bolts like Literally, the opening scene is Dave in a pub, and he they do some karaoke, and then a guy comes over to him and says, "Oh, thanks for lending me that money. Here, I've got I've written you a check for for what I owe you." He looks at the check and goes, "Oh, this is more than than we agreed." And he says, "I know. I want you to invest the extra money." And Dave goes, "Oh, I'm not a bank." And the other fellow goes, <laughs> "But Dave, I think you should be a bank." And Dave goes, "Ah, oh, it's a really good idea. That is, and that's literally how, like the." inciting incident of the movie uh, and then it ends with a <laughs> with a Def Leppard concert they have to they have to raise the money they need to open the bank they have to put on a concert in Burnley to raise the money I mean it's it's so like oh we've got to put on a festival to save the, the old youth centre or whatever um, yeah in between in the middle it was it was fairly entertaining but um, I wouldn't I wouldn't watch it <laughs> if I were you or anyone okay. else okay 
and it was it was okay. And the other thing we watched was randomly the the uh, long shot uh, with Seth Rogen and Charlie Theron. Mm. Um, it's a rom com where he plays a speechwriter and she's the Secretary of State. And she, they went to school together and she hires yeah. him to come in and punch up her speeches and they end up falling in love. And, but he's a schlubby Seth Rogen guy. Character. He's it's Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. Yeah. Seth Rogen. Yeah. Uh, and she's Charlize Theron. So it's a bit of an odd couple thing. Um, it reminded me a little bit of the American president with Michael Douglas, where again, he's a president and he meets a kind of ordinary person and they fall in love. And it's like the awkwardness of a politician dating and that kind of thing. So it was fun. It was quite funny, relatively charming. Um, yeah, I liked right. it. I, I, I saw the well, well, it's cute. It was okay. Know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty decent. It's got a very weird cast. Um, along with Rogan and Theron, you got like O'Shea Jackson Jr., Andy Serkis, yeah. Bob Odenkirk, Alexander Skarsgård. Andy Serkis in very weird prosthetics. <laughs> I thought it was John Stewart at first. I was like, it <laughs> looks a bit like him, but yeah, yeah. that's strange. Um, I finally got around to watching, depending on which part of the world you're in, Zootropolis or Zootopia. Why do they not call it Zootopia all over the world? Because that's a clever pun. I'm imagining there's some kind of legal reason. It was a brand called Zootopia. Over here? In Europe, yeah. Okay. I mean, they couldn't use it. Very odd. Anyway, uh, I watched that film. Which I remember getting like a crazy amount of buzz. People were like, this is this is the best fucking thing Disney started in years. And then I watched it and it was it was cute, you know. It was uh, uh, okay. there was a laugh or two to be had. The slot scenes were funny, you know. Um, I I I came away thinking I'd probably never watch it again. To be quite honest with you, I thought it was it was it was all right. Good voice cast, very very cute animation, lots of lots of cute little characters in it. Mm. Um, and I mean, I, I I mean, I would also imagine it's it's like it, it's a film that would be useful in for years to come if you want to broach the issue of discrimination with little tiny children. Uh, very small children very small <laughs> okay i feel like part of the hype around this was was probably adults going oh my god it's so true it is so true how we judge the foxes <laughs> when in reality it's it's a it's it's obviously a very and you know fair play to them you know a, a very child-friendly approach to that but yeah, i revisiting it years or, or visiting it for the first time years after all the hype i i, I didn't quite think it was anything that special but it was cute yeah, it w- it wasn't special at the time either. I, I, well, I'm sure it wasn't, but I re- I remember people just going crazy for it, you know. Um, yeah, because it's got sexy animals in it, mate. I don't think that's why they were. Well, I hope in not. The world lately, I hope that's not why. I hope that's not why. Uh, but you are probably right to some degree. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, I also went to the pictures, the talkies ooh, this week. Ooh to see uh, the latest uh, uh, Blumhouse sensation, Megan M. Thregan. Yeah, M. Thregan. Yeah, whatever. It's 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 like, oh, they explain, it's, it, they explain what the letters stand for in the film. It doesn't fucking matter. It's something, something Android. And the third is like third generation. That's it. It's, it's M, whatever that stands for, third generation Android is what it is. Anyway, this is an odd little film uh, from, uh, I believe, a new director and produced by James Wan and coming from the Bloomhouse uh, uh, um, studio. And it is basically um, 
what if we did Chucky in a modern context with a with a you know a little bit of fairly you know tepid but nonetheless decently done AI social commentary on it? Um, I don't know how deliberate it was, but it is. It, it was pretty funny to me that it came out like now when we're in the AI hellscape where you can, um, you know, open up your phone and talk to AI John Wayne Gacy and say, uh, Mr. Gacy, um, um, can you can you tell me what it was like to gut all those people, but affecting a, a sort of Jonathan Ross speech impediment and then your phone plays you an MP3? <laughs> um, you know, we're living in that shitty timeline now. And 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 Megan is kind of on that. subject. So basically, it's about um, uh, this young girl is orphaned. She has to go live with her um, uh, her aunt, who is a sort of uh, engineer in this sort of near future uh, toy company that has a line of like. Imagine like modern Furbies. Imagine if Furbies never happened, but they came out in 2022 and they had like cameras and companion apps and shit like that. They they actually there's, there's some really funny stuff early on where they have like fake ads for these toys and the toys are the most obnoxious thing in the world. But basically this aunt is also then working on the next evolution of that, which is a robot doll that's basically a little girl that talks to your little girl and tells, you know, gives her trains her on her table manners and and plays fucking hopscotch with her and stuff like that mm. but of course uh the, the the doll uses machine learning to to talk to the child about various things and at a certain point it realizes hey i'm going to defend this child by just murdering you know that's it's you you know a mile, a mile away when the film starts that's that's the, the the direction you're going in and um there's some decent characterization of the aunt and the little girl as well. It's it's good. It's it's really fun. It kind of it blew up in a kind of meme way when the trailer first released because the trailer was very odd and it had the 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 Megan quote unquote doll in the film is extremely jarring to look at the whole way through the film. So basically, it's a child actor they've made up and put a kind of uh, uh, prosthetic face on to look like. It's, it's a weird balance because the doll is extremely realistic, but it's also obviously not a person. So it's, it's walking that kind of weird line. So they have a child actress wearing all that, and it's a separate person doing the voice. So the child actress isn't even doing the voice. So it's, it's a bit of a Darth Vader situation where you have the actress and you have the voice actress. Um, and so it's extremely odd, and I really enjoyed it, but I think, I think it could have doubled or tripled down on the weirdness, I think. And I think it could have doubled or tripled down on the violence. This is a PG-13 release in America and a, uh, a 15, I think, over here. And it's 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 a pretty mild 15 as well. I, I think I think with like some extremely mild tweaking, they could have even got it as far as a 12 um, over here, which is a shame. It, it, there's certain, you know, in the vein of a Chucky, there's various wacky moments where I'm kind of like, there's probably someone working on this film who wished they could do this scene in a way more grotesque fashion, but they kind of can't. Um, but it's good, and it's been a smash hit. It's 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 kind of way overachieved, um, and I I enjoyed it. I think if you're if you are, it is a it is definitely a dark comedy. I would say in the vein of a Chucky, it's not it's not super scary. It's kind of just using a horror motif as a jump off point for a, a kind of bizarre comedy. Uh, and I liked it. I, w- I would give it two thumbs up. I would say I, I would say one to check out for sure. Uh, that is Mathrigan. Um, uh, and they, I think they've, I think they've said they're going to make a new one. Um, there are like three separate instances during this film where you can kind of go, 
that's in there because when they were making it, they were thinking maybe this will be a success and we need an excuse to do a sequel. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of that. There's, I mean, mild spoilers. It doesn't even play into the ending at all, but halfway through the film, there's a scene where a guy uh, 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 copies a load of Megan tech onto his personal computer. That is, there's other stuff, but I was just kind of like, that's in there so that at the end of this they can if it's really successful they can say oh he sold that information to so and so and they made another megan do you know what i mean that's the there's there's like three or four of those in the film but yeah that's megan uh worth a watch if you are into if you're into horror comedies and you are you are perhaps averse to things that are very scary or very gory this one is neither so so you you'll you'll, you might have some fun with that uh all righty uh, that is movie talk. This movie guff for the week here. We will uh, jump over to the real, the, where the real shit is, the real quality these days, and that is the televisual space. And uh, there's one thing we just absolutely have to talk about. Uh, uh, to varying degrees, we're all associated with the um, uh, source material, um, some more so than others. So let's just jump straight in. Uh, what did we make of that '90s show? Um, <laughs> Uh, I know Paul watched it. Joe, have you watched one second of that 90s show? Um, I've seen a still. I haven't seen a Oh, oh okay. So okay, we've, got, we've, we've got quite the spectrum. He's seen a still. Yeah. I've watched one episode. Paul, you've watched a couple of episodes, I understand. My foot is still in your ass. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, I wasn't going to watch this. And it, it must be super popular because it's like everywhere online. I feel like it's kind of inescapable. I guess that I mean the original show was very successful, so I'm not surprised people are at least dipping their toe into the reboot or the whatever you'd call the soft reboot or whatever. Uh, they got everyone back uh, except the one in jail for sex crimes. Um, um, uh, yeah. So uh, what did you make of it, Paul? You've watched more than me, so you you, you take the lead. I, on wa- it. I watched eight of the ten episodes. Oh my god. I'm right at the end. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. I don't think it's completely worthless. I don't think mm. it's good. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, a lot of thoughts on it. Let me just run through them quickly. Uh, as I said to you yesterday, Barry, um, mm. there's like the 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 gr- gr- new group of kids they've got in. I th- I think you're you're in a kind of a lose lose situation because you have ten episodes to introduce these characters really quickly, resolve their arcs, um. And you don't naturally get the time to develop characters as they as they would have had in the original series. At the same time, because it's a reboot, you're of a show that already has been through eight seasons or a continuation of that. Let's say you don't care about these new characters. You want to see the characters who are already associated to that property. Right. So I think it's kind of a a losing battle in that sense. I think two of the kids are are good. I like the little. Um, uh, gay Asian, very funny. <laughs> it's just like I don't want to just I don't want to derail this with my criticism, or anything, but it's just it, it's like it was so obnoxious straight away. It's like they have the dumb character, they have the sassy character, they have the one who looks like he would be dumb, but he's actually really smart. I, like oh my, I, the sassy character, the Asian is he is he actually confirmed as gay or are they just uh, is, oh is he's he's super gay. Okay, okay, because I, I think in the first episode, I think they say it, and I'm like, mm, is this it's ambiguous? Is this, this going to be a hilarious reveal where actually he's a womanizer, you know? No, no, but um, it's just I thought all his one liners were so. Now I've seen one episode. I have only seen one episode. I think he's. I think. But he's, I was just kind of like, like oh. his look. The writing throughout is is not consistently good, but I like his I, I like his performance because a lot a lot of the kids in it come off as you know reading lines, 
and a- badly acting. There's two of them. I think he's pretty good. And he, he his performance is good. Yeah, performance good. And I like the one who is not Kelso's son, even though he looks and acts like Kelso more than the character who's actually Kelso's son. Right, who's, who's abysmal. That actor is terrible in it. Don't like them. They're the two characters I can stomach. Uh, the two characters from the previous series who are th- in this one throughout are Kitty and Red Foreman. Red Foreman, who's anyway the best character in the show. The best character, yeah. He's been so dialed back. I think in the eight episodes, there's been maybe three or four asses. <laughs> not enough. Not enough not feet enough. and asses. <laughs> Red Foreman needs to be like, the, 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 the maths on the Foreman is very simple. It's like, dumbass plus my foot in your ass times four per episode equals laughs. Right. There's like full episodes where he doesn't say either of those things. And it's like, come on, you got to give the people what they want. You want Red Foreman saying dumbass or uh, someone says something to him about uh, uh, a, a tree that needs to come down. My foot will be coming down on your ass. You know, <laughs> you, you're, you're, you're playing the classics, you know, there's nowhere near enough of that. And I think also it's in a weird place between being a show that references directly stuff from the 90s. Like, I know you haven't seen... There's an episode where there's an entire Beverly Hills 90210 pastiche. Okay. But the show, in its tone and writing, is aimed at teenagers who won't get the references because they're so specific. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's... a really prescient point about our reboot culture in general that we're in. The, 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 even in the one episode I was in, this is this is re- it was such a small thing, but it actually really made me laugh. Someone on Twitter pointed out the characters all call each other bro instead of dude, and it's like I, I, no one has used the word attitude yet. No one said attitude. No one said <laughs> there was also another tweet saying there's a couple of other words that we were all using in the nineties that these kids <laughs> definitely won't be using over the course of this show. But um, it's. Yeah, it's like it seems like it's written to be a trendy new sitcom that people will enjoy. Like, obviously, we weren't old enough to remember the seventies when we watched the seventies show, but we enjoyed it. But it's uh, like, yeah, like at the end of the day, we knew Star Wars when we were watching that seventies show. Maybe they do, but do kids know that's nine oh two one oh? If you do, I don't think they do. Is the other thing because funnily enough, they're still talking about Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? The stuff that was that was uh, culturally, you know, the the cultural milestones of the seventies that we still knew in the nineties. Kids today still know. Uh, I don't know if kids are are, are getting the nine oh two one oh talk. Yeah, but anyway, the problem more so than that is just that the the target audience are fans of that 70s show, which itself is a sitcom from nearly 20 years ago. Um, And so the tone of the show is not necessarily aligned with someone of our age. That's it. Um, Also, Topher Grace, God love him, has just aged into, he just looks like Richard Hammond now. I think that's really harsh. I I don't think he actually could, but I was like, he doesn't look that much old. He could play Eric Foreman in his early twenties. I thought he know? doesn't. He doesn't look that that much old. But he, it, it's like the clip of um, I forget which panel show it's from, but there's a YouTube clip that comes up just because of the algorithm every now and then of Richard Awadi saying to um, Jimmy Carr, "You look so much like Roger Federer," and I get that when when Grace came on, I was like, "Fuck, he looks so much like Richard Hammond." Um, no, I thought, look, and, and that's the other thing is that the cameos are machine gunned throughout. Mm. Um, 
for a lot a lot of the cases they only show up for one episode they're one and done so don't expect loads of uh Topher grace and ashton kutcher um and yeah they just they definitely just feel very ticking a ticking a box here's here's the cameo from this character here's a character and so it feels like you know what we complain about with star wars and the like where it's like don't know if you know that guy over there <laughs> yeah he's from attack of the clones he was in that scene. So there's a little bit of that to this where it's like, I don't know how many people were really clamoring for like Tommy Chong to return, but it is what it is. What did you make of it then? I mean, I I just thought it was terrible. I just really <laughs> hated it. It was just, first of all, it has a laugh track, which is fair enough. I, I, I'm not opposed. I think that Frasier reboot should have a laugh track. If that's what your roots are as a show, I don't think no matter how uncool people might think it is. Do, do what your show did. I think that's fine. I don't think this was taped in front of a studio audience. It re- it, it was, actually. Was it really? It, I, I just... Because I recognized a lot of the fucking noises. So maybe they did, but then they're just going ham on the button, kind of like for Yeah, they don't necessarily need to use the audio from the studio. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. But it's just kind of like... It's one of those things where it's... And I don't mean this in a positive way. It's like multiple jokes a minute. And they're not, and like a lot of them aren't great. And so it's just kind of, there's no, it feels very unnatural and the crowd are laughing for every single little thing. And it just, it's just super lame. And it was like, I was like bored of everyone's shtick by the end of the first episode. It's like, you got your sassy character, you've got your dumbass yeah. character. You've got, they, they have Eric do six million Star Wars bits in the first episode. I'm like, oh my god, this is like not none of them are funny, but also you've now hammered that to death in one episode. And it's, it's, we were talking about Red and Kitty earlier. You know, they're, they're the best characters from the show. Red in particular is the best. And it was kind of like after one episode, I was like, you know what? I've, I've had my fill. I got to what he said. He said he, he was repelled at the idea of Kelso going out with his granddaughter and he said foot in the ass and he laughed at Eric trying to raise kids, and I was like, I don't think the charm would even sustain for another couple of episodes on this. I just thought it was terrible. I, I, I just thought I, the main the main issue is I just thought the jokes weren't good at all. I mean, yeah, I can I even I can even accept that the kid actors aren't great because you know some of them are like okay and some of them aren't great, uh, but I just, I didn't think the jokes were very good. Um, sadly, um, but yeah, you know, uh, it it is what it is. It's it, it, I think I'll watch a little bit more of it out of morbid curiosity, just to see if they if they flesh out anything interesting with the kids. Um, uh, you know, I don't I don't have I, I you know like I said I think I got my nostalgic ting. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that nostalgic twang rather is the, is, the, is a better noise to make um, out of that first episode. I don't think I need too much more. So I'm like, all right, let's see if they do anything interesting with these kid characters. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll report back next week. I'd imagine Paul will have finished it by next week if he's already burned through um, uh, eight episodes. So we will. Uh, yeah, I'll be finishing it tonight. Okay. Um, speaking of finishing things, I finished Andor. Uh, finally. I haven't. Yeah, I am I think I'm on episode 10. So I'm not too okay. far behind. 10 arguably i think the peak i really liked it i think i think i'm finishing my my reviews of andor the same way i started it which is i i i don't quite get the level of of hype around it i think it, i think it was quite good i think it was very refreshing to see well-written well-directed star wars stuff that is not obsessed with the biggest characters in the universe i think that was very important i think 
it was great to see uh, both political intrigue and also ground level rebellion stuff that has never been fleshed out in the in the franchise. Right. Um, I thought that stuff was all super well done and how what does it look like when the empire tightens its fist and how do people rebel? I thought all that stuff was really good. I you know I like I just I, I I don't know. I thought it was really good. I just didn't quite have it on that next level. I don't know what your take what your takes are on it 10 episodes in or 9 episodes in. Yeah, I mean I I don't think it's it's S tier TV or even maybe A tier, but I think in comparison to everything else we get from Disney at the moment. Right. It's refreshing that um you have kind of characters who have complex motivations. I know I draw on, drone on about character motivations, so I apologize, but I'll do it once more. You have characters who who feel a little bit more fleshed out than than good guys versus bad guys. And also, uh, to also reference the uh, half in the bag just there, to his criticism of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which I've not watched. Also refreshing to get a Disney property where not everybody is a snarky teenager in it. And there's no, well, that just happened. Right. It, it's like serious. It's like a serious show, which at points, you know, it, it can become very rarely, but it can become a little tedious at points because it is it is slow and it is adult. Not that it's like gory or anything, but it's it's, it's can serious. Imagine, it's like a grown up program. I can yeah. imagine a ten year old watching it going, "This is so." boring <laughs> totally it's like the in, it's like the inverse of something like mandalorian i think i think kids would hate this show yeah. um but, but yeah I, I, mean, I appreciate uh, it i i, I kind of like you know or i initially kind of like like mon mothma's like um she's like a an establishment po- politician but she is trying to help the rebellion and so she's trying to secure funding but she has to do it all cloak and dagger mm. I like that, I, but I, I just find all her scenes bring every episode to a screeching halt. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I think that's an, more of an interesting premise than it is an execution as part yeah, of the show. She, she's she's a little bit the Daenerys Targaryen of of this show, kind of, and it's a little bit it's a little bit prequely. It's like a it's a senator sitting around in a dark room, being sad, having boring conversations with people. You know, I you know, um, and without spoiling things for you, that I. I there's not a there, no. They're, they're doing a second season, obviously, and it's a two season run. They've said it's going to be two seasons, one and done, and because that brings you up to Rogue One. But her her element of the show doesn't have a dramatic swell and crescendo towards the end. So um, I'm assuming she'll be a bigger part of, of season two. But it, it it I don't feel like that time paid off especially well in in this particular season for me. But you know, yeah. But that's kind of where we are level wise. Is look. It, I'm not massively annoyed at how stupid it is watching yeah. every episode. I don't roll my eyes and go, that line was fucking super clunky. I think it's well-written. I think it's well-performed. And I think maybe that's why it's getting so much hype, because it's like after so much slop. Not that Mandalorian was slop. I, I, I liked Mandalorian for, for, and I still do, for most of its run. Book of Boba Fett, I think, was a, a swing and a miss. Totally. Um, it's nice to have, yeah, where where characters aren't wise cracking comedians. 
you know, and you, you have a, it's a very different tone. That's that's what I like about it. And you know what? It's funny because we talk about all the slop Star Wars has put out lately, but like Mandalorian was good. It was just such a bummer when it had to turn into Boba Fett and Luke Skywalker. And I was like, oh, what are we? We had a cool Western thing. Why is ghost CGI Mark Hamill here? Go away. Let me watch my stories without showing me Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader, please. Yeah. You know, uh, they put out that new trailer for that, and I guess, I guess, in Book of Boba Fett, Grogu comes back. I, I guess, I, I didn't finish that show, so yeah, yeah, that was that, that was one fucking boring TV show. Holy shit! The thing about that show is it basically turned into The Mandalorian after two episodes. So right. Like if anyone that didn't yeah. watch it basically missed two episodes of The Mandalorian because that, oh, yeah, God. that's what there were two full episodes that Boba Fett was like. Yeah, he wasn't in it. So that's <laughs> yeah, so weird. Listen, the Disney shows are good for having that little here's what you missed thing at the beginning. So Mandalorian yeah. season three will have a thing for me to watch. It'll be, two, it'll be 30 seconds and I'll be like, great, got Just it. Just have, have a quick glance at the Wikipedia page. And- <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, also on the, uh, just very quickly on the um, the Disney Plus side of things, I was marveling during the week at just, just refresh any video streaming site you have and there will be a new cartoon for grown-ups on there uh, every 30 seconds just being churned out of some studio somewhere. I decided to actually watch two of them uh, mm. this week. I started Little Demon, which I think is an FX show. Uh, anything, just for our American listeners, anything that's like FX, Fox, or Hulu, that's all owned by Disney, baby. So it's just all under one umbrella over here. It just all washes up on Disney. So I started watching Little Demon, which is an FX show. And it's uh, starring Danny DeVito, Lucy DeVito, and Aubrey Plaza. And it's basically uh, Aubrey Plaza has a baby with the devil. Uh, but she becomes estranged from the devil, and so she runs off. But then, as the daughter uh, enters puberty and becomes a woman, the you know via you know ancient magic, the devil is able to find her, and so they have a bit of a kind of estranged parent thing going on. But it's it's the devil, you know, and that's and the daughter is the antichrist, and so Aubrey Plaza is the mother. Danny DeVito plays Satan, and Lucy DeVito plays um, uh, the daughter. And there's a couple of other DeVitos who got uh, executive producer credits for this show. So Danny DeVito got his his family some fucking work for this thing, um, uh, and it's okay. I chuckled a little bit uh, in the first episode. Um, like there's like nude cartoon Aubrey Plaza who's like more jacked than Abby from Last of Us covered in tattoos and she's like you know looking to fight Satan it's it's over the top gory it's it, it's a little bit kind of obnoxious I'm a cartoon for grown ups a little bit but I think the premise is interesting and the cast is mainly what lured me in and performances are good it was weird seeing Danny DeVito in a cartoon because all I could think was Herb do you know what I mean I was just like he's like he's doing the Herb voice but I guess it was all he was always just Danny DeVito um but um yeah it was all right i watched one episode it was okay i was i will stick with it and see see how it goes uh and i also started uh what is that fucking thing called the great north uh which is the new new ish thing i think it's on its second season now from the creators of bob's burgers uh, uh you know this is a big bob's burgers house so i said hey we'll watch this and it seems like it is going for that exact style of very charming very easy to watch comedy uh and uh but but with no shortage of laughs which i think is kind of key to the whole thing i I, we've watched three episodes i've had more than my fair share of chuckles 
Um, I think it's I think it's really enjoyable. Nick Offerman is the is the main character. He plays like a single dad living in Alaska with like um like two like adult children and one fairly young child. And it's it's a very Bob's Burgers style thing where it's like kind of low stakes, kind of like they have a little community of characters and and it's it's all very charming and 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 not very abrasive. It's the ultimate kind of easy watch. I'm I'm enjoying it quite a lot. So I'll stick with that. That's the Great North, and again, the two of those are on uh, Disney. Uh, yeah, and so I think uh, the only other thing from the week that we will have all watched was that we did all watch the first episode of The Last of Us on HBO. I guess mm-hmm. technically um i'm i suppose i i want to jump straight to joe and get joe's takes here as the as the newbie to the to the ip as it were and 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 what did you make of it joe there episode one i thought it was really good um i knew a little bit about it i knew that it was about two main characters called joel and ellie so i knew the daughter got it at some point in the first episode waiting for that to happen um but i really liked their relate they built her up really well i like that character so kudos to them in the, the short scenes they had in in establishing the father and daughter relationship i think they did really well pedro pascal is very charming um i thought that was very nice and they didn't kind of overdo the thing you often get in these kind of movies where it's like the TV in the background is like ambulances and oh, newspapers. Right. Got this. There was a, f- a couple of bits of it, but it wasn't you know, enough that you knew what was going on, but without it being sort of super in your face. Um, I really liked the opening with the seventies, like talk show. That was, that was brilliant way to, because often they'll do that with like a video package or a news footage or something like that. And I thought that was just such a novel kind of more interesting way to, um, to introduce it. So that was cool. Um, and I thought the the whole kind of opening, you know, the I guess the prologue until um, they they kind of do a big time jump, uh, twenty years. But everything before that was just like so good, just cinematic in the sense that it looked as good as a movie. Basically, like I thought the effects were great, and then the direction was great, and everything about it was really good. Um, yeah, and then when they jumped forward, I didn't I didn't enjoy the stuff in the quarantine zone. Um, quite so i'm assuming everyone knows what this show is about is that it's listening like it's an outbreak of fungi it's like a a zombie movie but caused by fungi instead of um whatever else um so they jump forward 20 years and they're in a poor pedro pascal's in a quarantine zone in boston and i didn't enjoy that kind of bit as much i think it was a little bit disorientated as to kind of because it was such a big get jump in time I was kind of like, well, 20 years later, he probably doesn't even remember his daughter or any of that stuff that we just saw. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's so far forward, you kind of lose touch with with all those events. So that was a bit of a um, bit of a disconnect for me. Um, I'm glad that they didn't spend too long in that camp that they got out by the first episode because I've I've seen other shows, similar kind of survivor shows or like uh, zombie kind of shows where I feel like they would spend at least most of the first season in that camp just to drag out like we've only got you know this much material we need to drag it out across the whole season uh, and that would have been absolutely interminable so i'm glad that that was kind of just set up and establishing the characters and then they moved on pretty quickly um there were a few moments where it felt very kind of video game like um i don't know if the, <laughs> these bits were actually in the game but there's um a part where um pedro pascal and anna Torv 
like climb up a crawl space to get to another location. I was like, yes, yeah, video game. I'm, I feel like I could, yeah, totally. I could just take control of these two, and then they get through to another part and find dead bodies. I'm like, oh, oh god, this is a game. Um, so, so those bits aside, I thought it was very kind of well adapted, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Bella Ramsey got kind of very good as well. Yeah, I. I the only bit I, I wasn't too sure about is her being, they kind of hint at the end that she's been infected, but it's not affecting her. She's not being converted into one of the zombies. And I was a bit like, is this the kind of space Jesus? You know, I am the, I am the cure. We need to protect her. I hope yeah. it doesn't go too much of that. I don't know, but yeah, that's true. That, that is, that's, I mean, this isn't really a sport. That's going to be the thrust of it is, I know that's, is yeah. yeah, but it's, 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 I, I suppose. And now we're like, two full games deep i don't know if paul would agree i found i i don't think it, it's not a like a luke skywalker mm. you're gonna fix the universe type thing i think they i think they handle it pretty well okay. um I, I i would i think i pretty much mostly agree with 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 everything you said and it kind of actually even ties into the games yeah uh, paul i don't know if you're the same having replayed last of us a couple of times i i always find the boston section to be the least it's kind of the thing I'm just kind of getting through to kind of get to the good stuff um, uh, because it's not, and uh, this is such an obvious comparison point, but I think it's worth making it. Th- this isn't a, a Walking Dead style thing where they're on a farm for six books, which then translates to six fucking episodes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, let's leave the fucking farm. All right, I've seen it. They're on the farm. There's dissension. Let's go. You know, this is like 10 episodes or whatever. And knowing the general beats of the game, there's not a lot of, we're living in a camp and I don't like this trader. Do you know what I mean? I have beef with the guy who runs the radio tower thing. I think it moves at a bit more brisker pace for that with the exception of even in the games, that kind of in, in the game, like the, the Robert character who like double crosses mm-hmm. Joel and also the, like you spend like two hours trying to find that fucking guy in the game. And I'm like, every time I'm like, I, I like beat the game and the thrill of it. And it's, it's so exciting. And I want to go back and replay it. I was like, oh, I'm like, I gotta fucking walk and ask the hey, where's Robert? We're looking for fucking Robert. Oh, like, okay, here's okay, here's how you take cover in this game. Okay, uh, where's fucking Robert? Though we gotta fucking find this guy, and it goes on forever. And I, I was really glad that kind of the credits hit just as they're getting out, and they're like, all right, that's done. We we hit, we got the prologue, and we got the Boston quarantine zone done. One episode, and we're on the road. And I'm like, all right, good. Um, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I I also thought that the, the prologue stuff was spectacular. I thought it was so well done. Um, mm. uh, you know, you can tell that the you know you can tell that there, there was some moolah dropped on this show. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you can tell that across the the eighty minutes or whatever. Um, yeah. What did you think, Paul? Yeah, I mean, much much the same. Unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be a lot of discourse between us of, of having different mm. opinions on this. Um, I interest is interesting to see going forward what they do to kind of distinguish it from other Walking Dead style shows, mm. um, either visually or whatever. Because what we got so far with the the old lady next door was very typically zombie fare, you know, even visually. So looking forward to what they do differently going forward. Um, I think one criticism we all agree on as well, maybe more so us who have played the game, is that at the end of the episode, the reveal of look 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 what's on my arm here, brothers, was very much well. We saw it, we're moving on. Mm. Like I don't know that they gave it in really enough, and I'm sure there's a reason why we haven't only watched one episode in isolation. So not to be too critical on it, but I thought that should have had a bit more focus specifically given to it as the cliffhanger of the episode yeah you know for us to be saying what does that mean 
that she has that how did she get it what's the impact of having that does that mean that she's a ticking time bomb does that mm. mean that she's the the savior of the world you know I, I thought it was a little it wasn't quite hand waved away but it was a little too underplayed for me um and yeah the other thing to, to the conversation we were having earlier about that they don't necessarily stay in one place for too long yeah last of us as a series is generally you're you constantly have a forward momentum in the game That's good Almost to almost to a fault, where one thing they like to do is see that place in the distance. There, that's where you're going. Mm. <laughs> You'll be there in two hours' time. So you spend a lot of time tra- traversing to almost get the next story beat, to see the next cutscene. That's almost the payoff. So also, I'm wondering how they're going to handle the pacing of that. Um, obviously, they'll they, they'll probably move a lot of conversations to those traversal scenes mm. to to keep the narrative going. But that's what the video games are a lot about: is moving to your to your next milestone on the journey. You yeah. Know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I was I was very impressed with episode one. Um, very much looking forward to watching episode two tomorrow and seeing yeah. more of the characters. Now, I, again, I'm not as huge a fan of the game as Barry is, but uh, definitely it's got a great story, and there's there's certain bits I'm already looking forward to seeing how they end. Yeah, that I think that was uh, as people who've played the game. I think that was the thing. Is like once you see the first episode, like all right, they they more or less nailed it. Especially the the prologue, which is the big thing. That's that's your first big milestone of the game. Is the whole yeah. thing with Sarah, and when they nailed that, I was like, all right, now, now it's 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 okay to start getting excited for okay. Well, what about scene X and scene Y and scene Z? They've they, they've yeah. proven they've got the chops to do it. But yeah, I'm interested, kind of as just as a TV show, because obviously in the quarantine zone, you've got. You've got Ellie, Tess, Joel, and Marlene that you can cut back and forth between as a TV show. But then as the games move forward and it's pretty much just these characters moving forward and conversing as they travel, I w- that's where I want to really start getting more unique side characters that we don't actually know yet uh, to, because very few television shows just follow. Here's, we follow this set of characters. And, yeah. the, and every scene is the same set. That just doesn't really work. So, so we'll see. Uh, obviously, you know we we'll get. Uh, yeah, Nick I was off very happy, very happy to see Anna Torv as well. Yeah, as a I, I think, I, fan. the cast yeah. the cast is really great, and we've got coming up. You know, either you know we've got uh, Nick Offerman's Bill coming up, and I didn't even realize until I, I like a couple of days ago that um, Frank is Murray Bartlett from The White Lotus. Ooh, baby. Uh, the 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 manager from the first season. Of the <laughs> One White of the Lotus. best things about the first. Season. One of the best things about the White Lotus, and uh, that, that so that and that's that's actually that would be our first kind of. So in terms of um um deviations from the original, there was basically none of any serious note in the first, like none really at all. There was t- there was lots of dialogue that was new and stuff like that, obviously. But in terms of like. Oh, it's Blorco, new character Blorco. It's me. I, hey, Marlene, we gotta get out of this quarantine zone. There, there was basically <laughs> zero. But, but Murray Bartlett's character is someone that um, is only ever discussed. They are off screen for basically their entire game time. Um, uh, and whereas uh, I think I, I don't, I think I in some of the reviews they were saying there's there's one episode that's almost entirely self contained, Bill related. So that's going to be the first instance of like, okay, we're here's this thing that we've done. This is just this is our thing that just the show is doing. That's going to be super interesting. Yeah, I'm um, going to pre- make a prediction as well. Go on. This might have already been confirmed. 
<laughs> so it's not much of a prediction if that's the case. I think we'll probably get a left behind episode as well. We one hundred percent are. Yeah, they, yeah, they've they've. Uh, it's in the trailers. There, there's, oh, there's, never, and never um, <laughs> the the younger sister of Zendaya's character from Euphoria is is playing the Riley character. You didn't see Euphoria, is. but she's very good. Storm okay. Storm Reed, she is very good. Okay. Um, I'm curious where they stick that as a. I'm curious where they put that. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have the individual story beats in order in my head enough. Yeah, to, but but presumably there will be some big bomb dropped, and then you'll have that episode as. Yes, I, I I think so. Yeah, had its cleanser maybe towards the finale. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it was nice as someone who who does really love this this franchise. It was a sigh of relief to watch it and go, okay, it's good. <laughs> and and even if it's not the greatest show of all time when it's said and done, I'm confident after that first episode it will be of a decent quality um yeah. uh throughout. So yeah, we will we'll be back. We'll, that that'll kind of be our, our our one thing that we're all watching week to week. Um well maybe maybe Joe will fall off if it gets shit. Um he can be maybe. our casual fan, uh uh Nielsen box owner, um <laughs> uh uh, voice on uh, on the issue, just uh, pop in, pop in for all the gimmicks and the yeah. Weeks of uh, complain that where's this video package for this girl? I don't know who this is. What are we doing here? Um, yeah. So uh, that is Last of Us. Any other TV for the week? Yeah. Speak, speaking of the best TV, go on. Oh man, I'll I'll cut off on Succession. I need to start Succession. Oh mate, what what a show! Um, every finale just leaves me dumbfounded and speechless. And season three's finale was no, no different. Um, God, lo- I love, I love it. I- and I remember I was thinking back to when I was talking about the first episode, where I was like, you know, some of this comedy is a little too vulgar for my taste. And I'm like, I just didn't get it. Yet. I think, I think, I think it is a show. You know when people say you gotta you gotta watch the first two seasons and then it gets really good. I think with Succession is like maybe two two or three episodes in, you, you have a moment where it clicks. But it's um, I, I I don't know if I would necessarily say it's the best ever. I obviously have glaring emissions in my own um watch list, like you know, the Sopranos, The Wire, um, Frasier, um, Mad Men, but. I don't think I've watched a show as much, even shows that I'm a huge, huge fan of. You're, you're lost. You're Boardwalk Empire. Um, I don't think there's a show that I've watched where it's been so consistently go to the point where mid season episodes feel as good as like season finale episodes of other shows. You, you'll honestly watch like episode four of season mm. two and be like, Jesus Christ, that was like as good as anything I've seen. Uh, Brian Cox, out of this world good. Jeremy Strong, out of this world good. Uh, the Culkin boy, nails it again. Oh my God, one episode had me roaring laughing as well. Uh, Joe might know the one I'm talking about towards the end of season three. Um, oh my God, great, great. I, I can't say enough good things about Succession. It's it's easily, easily the best show I've watched in this century. <laughs> well maybe this Uh-oh. decade let's say let's say this decade let's say um of recent years i think i think it's probably the best show i've ever watched wow okay i think it's probably the best you know in terms of you know everyone has their their subjective favorites i always like an element of mystery uh an element of supernatural it doesn't quite have that but like 
rarely has a show left me so in awe of how meticulously scripted it is and how it, it, it'll it'll put all the chess pieces in a very specific pattern and you maybe don't see the checkmate that's coming your way until it's too late. It's very much a show like that. And if you, if you like twists and turns that don't feel like lame M. Night Shyamalan twists, but rather when, when you see the twist, you go, Jesus Christ, there, it, it was all laid out there in front of my eyes and I didn't see it. It's, it's that kind of show. It's, it's so, so good. And yeah, now, sadly, I have no more to watch until they release uh, season four sometime mm. in the next two, uh, three or four months. That's not that long. Can't wait. Can't wait. I know, but and and I wasn't necessarily watching it at a at a rate of an ep- two episodes a day. I, I was definitely taking my time with it. But my god, it's it's so good. It's it's astonishingly good. Alrighty, that's Telly Guff. Uh, we'll jump in to the video games. I don't really have too much to say about the old video games this week. No, um, do I? I finished streaming Hulk Ultimate Destruction. That is a uh, that is a a, a wonderful gem of a b game uh mm. and and i would say beneath the tier of your your arkham's and your spider-man 2018 so i'd say that's one of the better comic book games uh ever warts and all and brother are there some fucking warts in that game it has that thing that same thing i was talking about with roller drum a few weeks ago where it's like the way the levels amp up in that game is they just throw an unholy amount of enemies at you you know it's and it's like the hulk who's supposed to be unstoppable um, and incredible, you might even say. I was getting ping ponged and juggled around in the air because there are jets and tanks and surface to air missiles, and it's literally like a fighting game. Like you can get juggled in that game, and I was going ballistic. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so! It is so fucking hard!" And when you beat the game, you get a big message that says, "You unlocked hard mode." I'm like, "Get fucked! I am not playing this again." Uh, but it is super cool. It's from the guys who went on to make Prototype. Um, and you can see a lot of that game's DNA in Hulk. You're you're running up the side of buildings. You're you're picking up teeny tiny little soldiers and you're whipping them across the entire city with your big Hulk hands. It's really great. Um, uh, if you have an old console or you have a, a, a machine you use for PS2 level emulation, I would say give Hulk Ultimate Destruction a, a watch. It's, it is very good fun and it's probably still the ultimate uh, Hulk game, I would say. Um, mm. uh, so yeah, thumbs up, thumbs up on the the Hulk, Ultimate Destruction. Um, and I'm also uh, I continue to chip away at Death Stranding. Um, I'm still very early in it because I think I you know I'm playing it on Steam Deck, which which kind of means it's a real it's a pick up, do a mission and put it down type of thing for me. Also, when I if I do try and have an extended session for it, I get like 90 minutes of battery out of uh, Death Stranding on the Steam Deck because it's a heavy hitter game. So I'm still in chapter two. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm uh, I've got the bike. I, I connected up the wind farm. Uh, I'm on my way back to Capital Not City. Um, mm. uh, oh, no, sorry. Actually, I got there and now I've been given my my follow up objectives to get to Port Not. Um, oh my god the nostalgia is hitting me out. yeah I, I mean it's it is it's it's really cool i mean I, I i can kind of i can totally understand why people don't like it uh but i think it's really cool and it's like i like i said a week or two ago it is still that kind of novelty of okay yes the minute to minute gameplay is just basically walking from point a to point b with a load of shit on your back but they make it more interesting than that has any right to be uh and it's it's legitimately anxious when it needs to be and you're constantly thinking oh can i push myself can i climb up that with all this shit on my back well there's only one way to find out i'm gonna fucking try and you know um i mentioned a few weeks ago again 
as wonderful as the Steam Deck is, there's 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 uh, there's a there's a foible for every positive thing about it. And the way I was playing Death Stranding, I, it was for some reason skipping the uh, Epic login. It, I got it on the Epic Game Store, and the way I was playing it was skipping the Epic login part. And I was like, mm, I should probably fix that because I want to use the online features of this. And so I figured out how to do that. And I'm so glad I did because it's it it really is. It's so funny that Kojima seems to have taken, whereas everyone else took the success of Dark Souls to mean we should make really hard sword fighting games. Kojima took from Dark Souls like, I like the little asynchronous leaving other players messages and objects in the world yeah. so that you're not you're not playing with these people, but you can see you get input from other players as you play and it's it's great like you know like like you start like I, I i boot the game up and i get a little message saying i got x amount of likes because i because i left a ladder as a as a crossing point or you know on my way back from a mission i'll always that's when i always drop ropes because it's kind of like it's it's it makes my descent down a mountain quicker but it makes someone else's journey easier going back up and and likewise i see other people's things and i'm liking them and it's just like it's really really cool it's super super cool um so yeah i'm i'm like i said this is probably gonna be one of those games based on how i'm playing it it's gonna be one of those ones i i i don't see myself binging this i see this as a bit of a kind of a pick it up for 40 minutes an hour a day type thing for a few weeks and 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 get through it but i'm really and also like when they do such a good job of making the 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 stress and the strain of lugging these deliveries around that like it actually feels really good to get back to your room and you can look at your toys and go for a shower and fucking play music. Listen to bring me the horizon on your music player. <laughs> One of my favorite things is when you're, you're on a long journey, you start coming down a mountain on the far side and then just a song will start playing. Yeah. And it's such a great little mood, a little um, serotonin injection. And- and they always nail the it's same with Phantom Pain. They always nail the songs. You know, yeah. Kojima nails the songs and these things. They're great. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I I don't think I'll do a Death Stranding update every week because I'm progressing through it so slow that it's just going to be, hey, I did another yeah. delivery, got to another town. But uh, I'll do I'll do regular check ins. It's great. Yeah. It's great. I adore I adore that game. I mean, I yeah, and I get why the reviews were were kind of mixed. mixed. But um, yeah, for me, I, I, I it's very much a, if if you get the tone of it you love it if you don't it's not for you simple as that um i'm still playing god of war ragnarok mm. I, I just finish up in alfheim okay well i guess maybe for the first time but uh the the home of the elves and i did the little side quest in the yes. desert with mm-hmm. the big old big old jellyfish boy uh which was lovely and that's where i am in the game so i'm like nine ten hours in so I'm slowly making my way through it. Still enjoying it a lot. Okay. Still enjoying it a lot. Um, and I'm doing the same as you. I don't necessarily binge it. I, I'll play it for an hour a night. Some days I don't play it at all. But just so I don't get burned out on it that quickly. Yeah. That's it. And I did. I did have a niche. So I, I've been. I've been charging up the old 3ds as well. Oh. To play a couple of Zelda games on there. When I did my big Zelda playthrough of a few years ago. Where I played what? Did I play like 10, 11 Zeldas just in a row? Yeah. 100, 100% of the lot of them. There's three that I didn't quite get to that I still want to play is uh, Oracle of Ages and Seasons, which are Game Boy Color games, which I have on, through the 3DS e store mm. before that goes away forever. I, I have those. Oh, God. I, yeah. That's March, yeah. isn't it? 
Yeah, and I have a physical copy of Spirit Tracks, which is the second DS game. I know I don't particularly like the DS games. I never finished Spirit Tracks for that reason. I just find they're very bland. Whereas yeah. Zelda as a series is always about cool visuals, cool dungeon design, um, bosses and that. You, you could say Breath of the Wild isn't necessarily about that because the dungeons are, are, are all kind of look the same. I think, I think Spirit Tracks and Path of Hourglass have a bit of that as well. All the levels just kind of look the same and aren't super interesting. And the controls are annoying as well because it's with the stylus controls. But they're short enough games and I'll, I'll play through them. Um, and that's it. And then I'll finish off God of War and see what's next for me. I definitely need to get back to Elden Ring. Oh, yeah. God, so do I. <laughs> And yeah, but we have games now on on the near horizon. We have the new Breath of the Wild. We have the new uh, Bethesda game, uh, Star Field. Yeah, Field. I, I honestly couldn't remember what it was called. I was going to say Starlight or Starcraft, Starfield, which I have just in the back of my mind that that game's going to be a, a bit of a dud. I don't know why. Um, mm. It just looks so boring and so un- uninteresting. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, is that like Forspoken game that had the extremely obnoxious Marvel trailer? No, no interest in playing that whatsoever. Yeah, I, I didn't. But then, like, they put out a demo, and I was like, oh, "This kind of looks fun." Yeah, Play it on mute, baby. I don't know. Yeah, I. I <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Um, I'm actually. Yeah. I'm more interested in if it's still going to come out since the whole uh, mergery do the Obsidian uh, Skyrim like that they're avowed. I think it was called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think of uh, is that you know one? I was gonna say, I, I, I really like their outer worlds, like yes. that to me is what I wanted Starfield to be. But Starfield looks like it's going to be a lot more straight laced and mm. do your tie up and your collar and look at all these grays and look at these all these options, these gray options you have. And just give me a it fun, did, did a fun wacky gray. RPG. Yeah, it looked like the grayest video game I've ever seen in my life. Um, I speaking of Obsidian, like I should probably use this again. January still relatively quiet. I, I should really try and get to Pentiment. I mean. Mm. That seems like the one of the big kind of outliers of last year's games that I didn't get to that was very well received. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the video games for the week. Uh, a bit of music off to wrap us up here. Bit of music. Off. Joe, you're still listening to music. Though. Listen to another album. As I Go promised on. last week, one album a week, 50 albums this year. Yeah. Um, I listened to uh, an album called Black Girl Magic by Honey Dijon. Okay. Um, I had no idea what this was before I, I listened to it. I just saw it on Spotify's uh, new releases. And That's I how thought, you do it. thought I'll choose this. I, th- I kind of assumed based on the name, it was going to be like kind of rap R&B type thing. I was pleasantly surprised when I put it on and a pounding uh, house beat uh, kicked in <laughs> with kind of funk and disco uh, you know, vibes to it, uh, which is right up my alley because I listen to a lot of house music when I'm working because uh, I find it doesn't distract me yeah if i listen to like normal well normal music like lyric music with a lot of lyrics Mm. and stuff i I can't work because i'm just listening to the lyrics like i can't concentrate on both so i listen to just like house dance electronic kind of music disco um so i put this on and oh yeah it's a banger there's some very good house music um john been around for i think since the 90s she's she's quite a well-established like house dj uh, and this is only a second sort of release uh, as an actual, you know, album. Um, but it's very, very good. It's, you know, by the nature of house music, it's hard to differentiate kind of specific tracks because they, they're designed to sort of flow into one another. So it's not like, oh, this track was great, this track was great. Um, but it's, 
yeah, all, all really, really good tracks. I enjoyed listening to it. I've been working to it kind of all week, so not just listening to it on on walks, but really, really good. And I'm gonna I'll check out some more of her stuff on on Spotify. There's one track that kind of I think would work really well on RuPaul's Drag Race because there's a kind of a <laughs> bit where it breaks down and and there's a, like a well sounds I comes picturing like a drag queen speaking. It was like you're out here with your Gucci bag, Versace bag, fake bags, this bag. I'm the real shit, that kind of thing. And I was like, mm. yeah, this would be good on a montage of like RuPaul of the all the drag queens. But well, I, I'm a big fan of RuPaul's music, so I made, I made it to check that, check out. that one out. So um, yeah, big big thumbs up for that. Um, I'm yeah, look forward to another album next week, a random one. Yeah, and that that's how I was doing it last year. Sometimes mm. I would just look at new releases on Spotify. To be honest, sometimes I'd look at the length of the album. Yeah. Um. One hour twenty two, no thanks. Or sometimes I would use Pitchfork or if it was something I recognize. Yeah. Speaking of this week, it's something I recognize. It's the new album by Villavalo uh, under the name VV. Um Neon Noir, which I really like as a title first. It's a nice yeah, it's very good. Yeah, nice, Neon nice, Noir. Nice. So it's uh Villavalo is the uh the former lead singer of Finnish rock outfit him. Um, most closely associated with kind of Bam Margera, yeah. I guess. That's, that's kind of where it became popular from. Bam Margera, to be fair to him, to utter knob, let's not let's not be confused, but did, did a lot for introducing a lot of the kind of Finnish music scene to, to the mainstream in the US, so I've got to give him credit for that. Him, to be fair, not a band I was ever a huge fan of. Uh, like a couple of songs um, individually, but never would kind of sit down and listen to an album or, or really that much sit down and listen to many of their songs. Um, but I listened to Valo's EP he put out two years ago, the songs of which are all on this album. Um, it was called Something Gothica Volume 1. I forget the name. But, but him, anyway, him sound and Villa Valo sound are kind of, it's very much a continuation of him without the band. It's, it's exactly the same kind of melodramatic uh, rock with lyrics very much about romance and, mm. and things of that nature. Um, Valo himself sounds like halfway be- between kind of David Sylvian and Duran Duran. Um, and actually, there's, there's there's maybe a little bit of Duran Duran influence in kind of the sound of the band's obviously a, a, a rockier, more alternative sound, but it, it's a little uh, little poppy, little uh, um, like I said, little melodrama in there. But anyway, listened to Neon Noir, liked it quite a bit, liked a few of the songs on it. I have one big issue with it, though, which is the the, the sound mix um, throughout, I find, is very uh, tinny. It's very on the higher end. Like, you know, when you have an equalizer and you have your treble and you have your bass, it's like they put all the, the, the sliders up to three quarters, up to treble. So it, it sounds very high in the earphones. You don't get a lot of... Um, chunky bass or or like the drums are very quiet in the mix as well mm. so you get kind of a, a, a an empty sound from it which is a shame because i think the songwriting is generally good uh one thing him can do for sure is is a big catchy chorus a big catchy hook and that's true most specifically on the i think the best song on the album is salute the sanguine um which has a, a killer little chorus on it um, and after listening to it, I just wanted to make sure that this wasn't 
something specifically to me. I went back and also listened to the first two Him albums and uh, was surprised by kind of the rawness of the production of those, how how chunky the bass was and how big the drums were. And so this isn't necessarily something that's specific to, to um, or, or something that's continued from Him to Villavallo. I don't know why this new album was mastered or mixed this way where it just it it, it lacks a lot of the punch or a lot of the oomph because you listen to those hymn albums that they have those in spades um the second album which is razor blade romance i think that um there, there's a different version the u.s version or uk version is different than the original finished release because they incorporate a lot of the songs from the first album on it also like they redid some of the songs from the first album again on the second album for the mainstream release. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I quite enjoyed the, uh, the hymn albums as well. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm secretly turning into a, a hymn fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that Villa Vallo album I think is, is pretty good. I just wish that there was uh, a better sound to it and it wasn't so front loaded. I wish, I wish it was more of the, the rhythm section kind of um, was beefed up. Because it, it definitely sounds a little too... And I used to do that, actually, in my dad's stereo. I don't know why. I would always put the headphones on and turn all the equalizers up to the treble. And it sounds terrible. Like, it doesn't sound good, which is the biggest shame. Uh, I, I definitely... And I have a nice, big pair of chunky, expensive headphones with noise cancelling. So I like to get the proper, full whack of the music. And this just... I don't know. It was it was a little more McDonald's than a nice steak dinner, you know? Okay. It was a little, a little empty sounding, which is which is a shame. But it was good. Good listen. Alrighty, that's music off there. Two uh, two positive reviews um, to to add to your Spotify lists uh, this week. Uh, yeah, and that's going to do it for the show. As mentioned earlier, you can pop us an email over at chairshoppodcast.com if you want to just contribute anything, give us a quiz, give us a question, or even just have your say on the various topics we've talked about uh, um, over the course of this show. Uh, so, yeah, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Hope you have a very pleasant week. We'll be back. Same bad time, same bad channel. Uh, it's farewell from me, Barry. It's farewell from Paul. Farewell. And farewell from Joe. See you later. 